Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. If you're new to the show, I'd like to say welcome. If you're a returning listener, I'd like to say welcome back. Before we get started, I'd just like to ask you a favor. If you're currently streaming this episode, would you mind stopping it and downloading the episode and then listening to it? It's a good way for me to keep track of the downloads. And to be honest with you, the more downloads I get, the more I get paid. I would really appreciate it if you wouldn't mind doing that. And maybe do it for all the content creators that you enjoy listening to. It's a great way for us to keep track of the downloads and put a little extra money in our pocket. So if I could ask you for one favor, that would be it. Now on to the show. Nystrom, Nystrom's really getting some good right hands in. Gillies is down with Sandstrom. Somebody better help Sandstrom. Everyone must be held accountable for their actions. You cannot see your star carried out in a stretcher and do nothing about it. Oh my, did Mick plant one on C-card. Wow. You can't put a bounty on a man's head. I just did. The spinning, spinning, who's he going to go after? The puck drop, the puck right there goes right to King Blackson. But just a minute, Al Arbor has won mm-hmm. four Stanley Cups, so don't start telling Al Arbor what to do, you and John Davison. This is Coliseum Chronicles The Penalty Box, your source for Islanders Enforcer Talk. Proud member of the Hockey Podcast Network, and I'm your host, Joe Lazito. Today, welcome to episode 129, and we are going way back for this lost episode with Paul Cruz. But before we get to that, if you're on social media, please scroll to the show notes of this very episode, and you will see links for Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Connect with me, I'll connect right back with you, and uh, maybe we can help promote each other's content. If you have uh, no content to promote, then let's just connect and uh, and we'll be friends. You know, what can I say? Um, Also, there's a link in the show notes for Islanders A to Z, and that is an Islanders children's book written by Joe Buono, 
and the illustrations were drawn by the legend local Long Island artist Joe Marisich, who, by the way, is available for hire if you have art projects that need to be done perfectly. You can reach Joe Marisich on Twitter at GraphicsJoker or via the internet at loudegg.com. You absolutely will not be disappointed. Joe might be disappointed come next Monday night because he is a Jets fan, and of course they are playing the Bills. So Joe may be sad, but if you get any art projects done by Joe, you will not be sad. As I mentioned, I am a member of the Hockey Podcast Network. Over 100 shows on the network now. Each NHL team has at least one podcast dedicated to that team. Now, I am listed on the website under the Islanders, but I'd like to think I am on the original content side with a few of my buddies. Myself and the other three, I've dubbed the four horsemen of the hockey fight podcast genre of the Hockey Podcast Network. And of course, we always begin with the original gangster, Darren of the Fourth Line Voice Podcast. Darren's latest episode. This is a big one. I mean, it's a milestone episode for Darren. Forget about the episode number. But uh, Darren basically gets his number one fan badge from the Hockey News. Now, if you've listened to Darren's show, you know he's a huge proponent of the Hockey News. I think, I'm not sure if I'm... um, Spoiler alert here, but I know, I believe the network has spoken to Darren about doing a show with another one of the hosts on this network, Ken Campbell, and uh, they're, because their beliefs are so similar that I think the, the network is trying to get Darren and Ken to do a show together, and this number one fan badge that Darren got, I mean, it just lends credence to the whole thing, so congratulations to Darren on being ranked the number one fan of the Hockey News, and um, he talks about that, and also he continues his breakdown um, of the Enforcer Week Top 5, and all you need to know about this is that, um, like in life, meritocracy is dead also at the Hockey News. Um, I'll say no more. Uh, if you know me, you know exactly what I'm talking about. But uh, meritocracy, it's kind of gone in real life, and uh, it's definitely gone at the Hockey News. But listen to the episode, and you'll hear the countdowns, and you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. Next, the Five for uh, Five for Fighting, Five for Fighting podcast with Alec. Alec, you know, he promised us a new episode last week. I think he even said last Monday, or it was this past Monday. He's just teasing us. I think it's just a tease. So um, I would say go to the Five for Fighting podcast page and start checking out some of his back catalog. And then when he drops his new episode, you will be fully prepared and. I got to be honest, I don't know. I I think come the beginning of the ECHL season, I think we're going to see the Five for Fighting podcast with much more regularity. Um, You know, Alex, a young dude, he's out there. He's got, a, I think, his uh, Barbie Jeep now. I think I heard Darren say his dream Jeep. He's out there with his wife. Um, You know, they don't have kids, so they're doing all this stuff. And um, but I think I think he's just living the life or as. Oh, I hate the saying living his best life. I hate saying, if you say that, please just, you know, I I say it because I make fun of myself. That is a stupid saying. Almost as bad as heart of hearts. But I digress. Um, Alec is probably just out there, you know, enjoying himself. And uh, with the ECHL season coming up here in a few weeks, 
I think you'll uh, you'll see more episodes. But hopefully before the season starts, we're going to get his top five ECHL fighters and also uh, the input from the fans of the show. And of course, with fall coming, five in a game, Jordan, he's uh, hopefully starting to make his trek back from Alberta to the right side of the map going home to the Maritimes, and uh, once he's home, we'll get some more five in a game with Jordan. So um, just to sum it up, you got the five for fighting podcast with Alec, five in a game podcast with Jordan, and of course the fourth line voice podcast with Darren. So please subscribe to all those shows. Please rate and review if you can, at least rate the shows. And um, also follow the corresponding YouTube channels for those shows as well. Uh, the biggest wheel on the network is Terry Ryan. He released an episode today. Uh, I have not listened to it yet. I imagine it's probably a recap of the ball hockey tournament that he was uh, just a part of in Buffalo. And um, I think I said on the last episode, one or two episodes ago, Terry started rattling off the names of guests that he's going to have on the show, and it's pretty impressive. So, um, But Terry, Terry doesn't need a guest to make his show interesting, so definitely check out Tales with TR. Now, if you're a regular listener, you know that I love to collect game-used gear from enforcers, specifically anyone that's played for the Islanders, the Nordiques, or their affiliates. But with the exception of a handful of guys, I'd love to add anything to the collection. Today's guest, Paul Cruz. I am lucky to have a Paul Cruz game-used stick. And actually, Paul sent me uh, something that he received as a gift from the Islanders once. I think it was at a, at a Christmas party. Um, and I believe the gift they gave the players was this leather, almost like a leather knapsack, uh, book bag type thing with the Islander logo and their number. So, um, so Paul sent me his and, um, and I appreciate that. So it's a pretty rare item in my collection that sort of goes outside the scope of the usual stick gloves, helmet, or jerseys. But if you have anything of Paul Cruz's that you have and that uh, you might want to give up, just let me know. Or like I said, anyone that played the role of enforcer, with the exception of a few guys, which uh, if you know me, you know who they are. And uh, if you don't know me and you have something, I would tell you, not really too interested. So, uh, But definitely reach out to me if you have something that you would like to trade or sell or donate. So speaking of Paul Cruz, so Paul Cruz was my second guest. This episode originally, it was originally posted January 13th of 2020. Now it's 2023. We're almost, uh, we're in the last quarter of 2023. Doesn't January 2020 seem like a much simpler time? I mean, it's, it's literally uh, three and a half years ago. No, is it? Ah, two and two, whatever it is. It's almost three years ago. Uh, tw- no, three and a half years ago. Um, good. I didn't know I was gonna have to do math today. But doesn't it feel like a hundred years ago? The beginning of 2020 is that unbelievable? How the world has changed and how it's been changed for us by a select number of people. But again, I digress. But this episode originally posted early January of 2020. Paul was awesome. Uh, I don't recall Paul doing many podcasts, so I appreciate his time. And um, this was one of the episodes that, um, it, it just to clarify, it, the episodes didn't get lost when they were transferred from my original hosting site to 
the Hockey Podcast Network site. They were lost long before that. Uh, my original hosting site was Podbean, and I'm not exactly sure what happened, but um, they lost a bunch of the early episodes. So um, this is my way of bringing them back for those people who are relatively new to the show on the network. Uh, and also, I had regular listeners that hopped on sometime after these episodes disappeared uh, that asked me, hey, I only see episode I see your show starts with episode number nine. So, um, so yeah, so we're going to uh, bring back this Paul Cruz episode and there'll also be episodes from Mick Vakoda, uh, Mike McWilliam, uh, Jamie Rivers and Brent Severin. I think we're the guests that um, did not carry over it. And there may be more. I have to check as we go along here. Uh, but this, uh, this was a fun chat with Paul. He was a great guest. Uh, again, I apologize for the technology. There's that uh, humming, but I found as I've re-listened to them, once you listen to it for a while, you kind of, uh, you don't notice it as much. But uh, it was uh, it was a very primitive time for the show, very primitive technology being used. And um, I appreciate you listening. So that's about it. So until, uh, so what is this? This is going to be Friday, September 8th. I'll have something for you on Monday. So uh, everybody have a great weekend. And I hope that all you people out there, please stay safe. College football fans, are you ready for week one? DraftKings Sportsbook is hooking you up with a can't-miss offer to start the season strong. This week, new customers can bet just $5 on college football and score $200 in bonus bets instantly. Anything can happen in college football. Your team can go from unranked to dynasty mode in just a couple of years. Change comes fast. The only thing that's a lock is the great offers from DraftKings Sportsbook. Life's more fun when you're in on the action. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code THPN. New customers can score $200 in bonus bets instantly when they bet just $5 on college football. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook with code THPN. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort, 21 plus, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. See dkng.com slash football for eligibility, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Bonus bets expire seven days after issuance. Eligibility and deposit restrictions apply. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for tuning in again to Coliseum Chronicles The Penalty Box. Today, it is my pleasure and honor to welcome a man who played 110 games with the Islanders, uh, 13 points, 249 penalty minutes, career total of 1,037 IHL penalty minutes, 1,074 NHL penalty minutes. Welcome to the penalty box, Mr. Paul Cruz. How are you doing tonight? Good, Joe. Thanks for having me. Oh, my pleasure. I really, really appreciate you coming on, man. It means a lot to me. Uh, I met uh, I met Paul back before his time with the Islanders, back with Calgary. And uh, was always a great guy to me, always soft-spoken, uh, you know, speaks awfully, carry a big stick, I guess. But uh, Paul's always been a gentleman, 
Thanks again, Paul. So uh, basically what we're going to do, we're going to go over your career and uh, tell some stories that maybe people haven't heard and uh, ready to go, right? Sure, yeah. It's been 30 years. I'll try to remember. <laughs> yeah, I think I think what's been happening is uh, a lot of times once we start talking and we get one or two uh, one or two stories out there, people tend to remember them and uh, I know you got some good ones. So what, uh, what kind of player, if we go back to, let's say, the Merritt Bantams, what kind of player is a young Paul Cruz? Oh, I'm totally different, that's for sure. Uh, was scoring goals, winning most sportsman-like player. Uh, you know, it was fun times. We were a very small uh, town of about 8,000 people, and we were basically keeping up with the towns of 60,000 people. So we had a, a good young group, and it was it was a lot of fun. But yeah, it was different uh, different type of player back then for sure. Is uh, a young Paul Cruz uh, being in BC? Is he a Canucks fan? Does he follow the NHL? Um, yes, very much so. I, I grew up a Canucks fan. Um, I, I still remember. I don't know what year it was. I think it was about '84 when the Islanders were playing Vancouver in the finals. Uh, that was '80. Three. That was the third one. 82-83 season. They played Vancouver. Yeah, that was. Uh, I remember watching that as a. I'd be about twelve, thirteen years old, and kind of just in awe of what was going on. But I grew up a, a Canuck fan for sure. And and, and uh, the first game I ever went to was in Vancouver, and they were playing the Hartford Whalers, and it was uh, Gordy Howe was playing. Oh wow! And I remember with the guy. Gordy Howe shot a puck up into the crowd, not on purpose, but uh, both me and my friend were beelining for this puck, and he, he got it, and he still has it to this day. Oh, that's awesome! Yeah, and then the second the second game I think I ever saw, I was playing in it, so uh, it was a big <laughs> for me. Uh, but growing up a Vancouver fan, it was it, it was uh, it, it was a lot of fun, but because I was from three hours outside of Vancouver, um, and then, then I was playing in Kamloops with the Blazers and uh, I met with Vancouver a couple times at the draft or before the draft sorry and, and, and they said that they really wanted to pick me uh, which which got me quite excited and uh, I met with Ron DeLorme a couple times who was a, a, a big tough guy with Vancouver in the day and then he was working in management and he said he really liked to take me and uh, at the draft which was in Vancouver that year I got drafted in 1990 um, they passed on me twice. Well, well, not really twice, I guess. I wasn't eligible for the first three picks, but um, they did pass on me, and they took uh, some bigger guys, Gino Ojek and uh, Stojanov. Um, um, I can't remember the other guy. Anyhow, um, they said I was too small. <laughs> so oh, wow. they were just picking monsters that year. <laughs> so, anyhow, they passed on me, and Calgary grabbed me in the fourth round, and... Uh, um, you know that it was kind of uh, you know on my mind that I had to prove myself. I mean, I, uh, I've never been a Vancouver fan since <laughs> since that day. Who um, so when you're out on the street playing street hockey or at the rink, who was uh, who were you? Were you uh, Stan Smeal? Were you Tiger Williams? Who was uh, young Paul Cruz when he was playing with his buddies? Yeah, no, I was like yeah, Stan Smeal or Thomas Gardine, um, You know, some old. Canucks, but never really thought about the tough guy thing. Yeah, uh, you know, they, Vancouver had a very tough team. Oh uh, yeah, it, it was it was fun to watch. But like I said, I never really was into the physical player. I thought I was a, a goal scorer back then. Still, <laughs> <laughs> what uh, 
The Merit Warriors. Now, the Merit Warriors, uh, you played there one year, and then the next year was the Merit Centennial. So is that the same team, just a different name? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, it's, uh, this way my hometown is Merritt, and that's the town of about 8,000 people where I grew up. And I grew up just down the street, and uh, I think it's the longest uh, like uh, BC JHL hockey team. Um, it, it's It's been in the league the longest, and it's never made any money. It's totally community-ran, and uh, it's pretty much donation-based. And there's been a lot of great kids coming out of there with scholarships, and uh, even a few pros. And uh, I heard that you may have had an in with the owner. Uh, yeah, that's right. Uh, my dad took over the team. I think it was my, well, it might have been my first year. Um, yeah, and it was, uh, I, again, it was more of a kind of saving the team kind of thing. It wasn't really a, an investment <laughs> yeah. type thing, um, which has happened. You know, a lot of players, even Tiger Williams bought the team back in the day. Um, yeah, so... Yeah, my dad owned the team, and then I, I got involved once I started playing in the NHL and uh, making some donations for some sticks and some different things for the players. That's great. Um, you're, the year you played when it was the Warriors, uh, a certain player who went on to some infamy, played some games in the NHL, played seven games that year with the Warriors. Uh, do you remember a very young Link Gates? Oh, yeah. Well, for sure. Yeah, they're missing Link. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I know him very well. Yeah. And uh, he grew up in Vanderhoof, just north of Merritt. Um, and uh, we went to Newest Bruin camp together. And, and that's when Punch McLean was running the, uh, the New West team, which mm -hmm. was notoriously always tough. Mm -hmm. um, I, there was a lot, of, a lot of big NHL players came out of New West, um, tough guys. Anyhow, me and Link, um, I was 16, he was 17. And... Uh, um, we never battled there, but we both got sent to Merritt, um, and Link ended up living at my grandma's house. <laughs> oh, yeah? Yeah, and I lived uh, half a block away at my house, and uh, we would drive together to the rink every day, and uh, he's, he's, he's an odd one. He would run straight into the snowbank from the, the ice machine. He would run in, right, right into it at full speed when we're at the rink, oh. and he wouldn't even, wouldn't even tell me. I didn't know what was going on, so. <laughs> but he didn't know how tough he was until he got into the BCGHL and then it just he was gone so quickly he moved up the ranks so fast I've you know and he was skilled um, as well as tough um, you know they, they, they compared him to a, you know a Probert um, in toughness and you know he made the all-star team I think I believe in the WHL one year um, so he just skyrocketed right off the charts yeah he's uh, I mean even when he was with the Sharks and yeah. You know, they were the expansion team. So, you know, any guy that's even halfway decent was going to get playing time, and he was obviously more than halfway decent as a player, and he was definitely one of the tougher guys. It's just uh, as far as his career goes, um, it's basically what might have been. But I always wonder about the, um, you know, what, like you played with him as a lot younger, but from what you're saying... He was probably always a little bit uh, left to center, right to center, just not always right there, but like to do some crazy stuff. Yeah, for sure. When Minnesota drafted him, they took him in the second round, and they said they should have took a lawyer in the first round. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. exactly. He, had his, he had his moments. I mean, he, he just, uh, you know, he had some troubles off the ice, and, 
um, they're well publicized. I mean, yeah. so and you know, if, if he could have got that together a little bit, I mean, he he would have went on to have a, a fabulous career. No question. Michelle. Yeah, no question about that. So in 87-88, you spent the majority of the year with the Centennials, um, and you played one game in Moose Jaw. How, how exactly does that work for, for some of us down here in the States? Was, is that basically um, a call-up situation to Moose Jaw? Did you start out there, and did they send you down to Merritt? How exactly did that work? Yeah, in, in the WHL, in the Western Hockey League in Canada, if, if you play one game in the WHL, you lose all eligibility for American uh, colleges. Mm -hmm. um, so a, a lot of teams won't trade for you uh, until you give up that status. Um, so that was just my way of, of, of letting Kamloops basically know because they wanted to trade back for me. I was originally on their list. And I got traded about three or four times before I actually played a game. And uh, I just wanted to show them that I was committed to the WHL and that would open the door for uh, for a trade uh, back into the Western Conference that was really close to where I grew up. Mm -hmm. That year in Merritt, you played 44 games, you had a point a game, and you had 223 penalty minutes. Any, um, any good stories that you'd like to share from that season? Um... Yeah, I, you know, I, it seems so long ago. Um, <laughs> it was. Um, yeah, no, it, 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 it was fun to play in your hometown. Um, you know, I, I, I kind of established myself as a, a player that year. And I had a cousin that played before me, and he was notoriously tough, and I was trying to live up to his kind of, uh, um, you know, his, his imprint he put into the league. Um, you know, and I, I kind of figured out that I, I, I could battle a bit, and I could score a little bit, in, in, you know, in the junior ranks. Um, so, but I, I still remember, uh, you know, getting introduced to, um, into, we had a, a large brawl in Kelowna um, in Western Canada one night, and, and I got stuck with the 20-year-old that got sent down from the WHL, um, and, you know, that didn't go very well for me. No, I wouldn't imagine. I had never really lost before. Yeah. And so that was a, an eye opener. He told me to stay down, but I wouldn't stay down. And I remember uh, taking a few beatings, but you have to take a few to learn a few things, too. Is your cousin anyone that we would know? Um, his name is Mike Catchpole, and, you know, he had crazy amount of telling minutes. He got called up to Portland, uh, Winterhawks on the Daily Shelf for, uh, you know, a cup of coffee. and um, But he... Uh, Definitely legendary around uh, my part of the country. Oh, very cool. So, uh, next season, you spend the whole year with Kamloops, and Kamloops always seems like they're one of the premier teams in the division in the Western League. They're always good. You know, Ken Hitchcock, legendary coach there. Uh, what was it like playing for Ken Hitchcock? Um, I, I loved it. I, you know, he was, he was a no-nonsense coach. A um, little sarcastic at time, but I mean, um, I don't know many coaches that are not, right. but he uh, he was fair with me. Um, I remember the first training camp when I when I went there. Um, you know, I went there and I wasn't really sure what to expect, and it was a really tough camp actually. And I had to pretty much fight my way on the team. And uh, they had some returning vets, and they had some a lot of tough guys in camp there. And, you know, I had my hands full, and when everything was said and done, I was the only one left. Uh, and made the team, but um, but it was a little scary too because uh, 
you know, I was a 17 or 18 year old kid and uh, breaking into the WHL as a solo tough guy against some some uh, some tough guys that went on to have huge NHL careers as tough guys and uh, premier guys. Yeah. That season you played with a, a future number one draft pick for the Islanders, Dave Chizowski. Uh I've always liked Dave. He always the thing I always tell him was he just I the thing I always remember about Dave, it's similar to uh, a player named Darcy Harris with uh, Canadian's organization and Travis Mullen. I just always remember they like they had goofy smiles. Like every time I saw him, he always seemed happy. He seemed you know goofy kid and everything. And even though he's not a goofy kid anymore, it's just always the impression I get of someone like Dave Chizowski. And things didn't necessarily work out for him here on the island, but I'll never. That's not what I remember. I just remember this bright-eyed kid. He just always seemed like he was having fun playing hockey. Do you have any uh, any good memories about Dave Chizowski? Um, yeah, no, he's a great player. Um, he had a great shot, can skate. Obviously, Islanders took him very highly in the draft, and I think Clark Gillies even gave up his number for, yeah. for him. Yes, if I did. Remember. Yeah. Um, yeah, he uh, he still lives in Camels, and he, uh, he's working for the Camels Blazers, I believe, still. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, he was just a, a great guy, and I, I don't know why it didn't work out for him, but, I, I mean, he had all the skills um, needed obviously to get drafted so high, and he, he was the type of guy that you never knew. You know, he could score three goals, or he could, you know, he could beat you up. You know, you never knew he could cross check you in the face. <laughs> yeah, was, yeah. You know, he, he he had no fear that guy, and uh, you know, I, I ended up playing against. He had a long minor league career. I remember um, getting sent down at the end of my career, and he was playing in the in the minors. And also, I played against him overseas. Yeah, and. Uh, you know, he was he was bugging me, and I'm I'm like I'm like Chizer, I just got sent down. Can you give me a little bit of a grace period here? And he's chasing <laughs> around, yelling at me. You know, just just being the goofy guy who always was. Mm-hmm. That's great. So um, I'm going to ask you about a few fights. You may not remember them, but I I ask because um, you know, like I said, it's Islander related. So there's a couple of guys you fought that first year that. Uh, one, they both ended up drafted by the Islanders. One was Kevin Sheveldayoff, and one was Dean Ewan. Do you recall anything uh, notable about either of those fights? Um, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, Chevy Sheveldayoff, Chevy. He was that was that was back in junior. Yeah, he was, he was in Brown, and I was in Camels. And I can't remember something happened in front of the net, and uh, he he's a year or two younger than me, I, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and it it. Uh, I ended up cutting him for about 20 stitches over his eye, so he was my general manager in Chicago with the Wolves when I got sent on the second time, so I gave him a little bit of a hard time about that. (laughs) 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 Um, But I guess the joke's on me. He's he's running a a team in Winnipeg right now. That looks pretty good. He's he's an amazing executive. He's so smart, so hockey smart. It's crazy. Yeah, I believe so. Yeah, and with with you and uh, Dean, he was... He was out in uh, Seattle when I was in Kamloops yeah. as well, Western League, and I mean, he was he was one of the toughest guys, if not the tough guy in the West, I believe. Yeah. After my first year, and actually, I was a little nervous about him, and uh, um, but we ended up having a good fight in Seattle one night, and it was back and forth. But he, I remember walking away from that one <laughs> with a few marks on me. That's for sure. Well, he's like I, like I told you before we started recording. He's he's uh, he was the first guest on the show, and, and him and I have been very close for a long time. And if you guys were together right now, and you 
you know, basically how complimentary you just were to him, he'd be like, ah, oh, he doesn't know what he's talking about. You know, he's very modest about uh, about how tough he was. Even that year, he did win. Uh, I think that was the first year they did the best of the West uh, poll, the rankings and everything, and he did win the toughest player. And he just says, oh, I had a lot of penalty minutes. You know, he's very uh, he's very <laughs> modest. So it's always nice to hear someone that played against him give him some credit because he definitely won't give himself any credit. Yeah, no, I believe that. The UN family's a, a, a deep traditional family and uh, a story to hear about his brother. Yeah, yeah, it's a tragedy, absolute tragedy. Yeah. So your second year in Kamloops, uh, you're a little more established now. You had the first year under your belt. Uh, 45 points in 67 games. Uh, bump up your penalty minutes to 291 minutes. And I think you had a little more help this year. You had a guy like Dean Malcock who had a cup of coffee with the Islanders, Joey Middlestad and Trevor Buchanan. You ended up, uh, I guess unofficially, because some of this stuff I don't know how accurate it is, but uh, Heavy Down is having about 30 fights from start to finish that year. Uh, how did that second year differ from your first year? Um, yeah, for sure. That was a fun year. Uh, we were a really good team under Hitchcock again, and uh, uh, you know we were kind of rebuilding the year before, and, and then we ended up with this great team um, my last year in Calos, and um you know, I was able to play a, a pretty consistent shift, and um, yeah, it was probably about 30 fights. Um, I remember I, I somebody told me that once that somebody said 34 once, and I was like, well, they might have been counting playoffs or, well, maybe not playoffs, but uh, you know, preseason or whatever. So, yeah, and I, I, it, it went well. I mean, there was a big graduation period that year. A lot of the tough guys that I was talking about um, the year before had moved into their pro careers or or were of age. Um, that, that stopped playing or moved into the, you know, moved around. So there was, there was a big graduation period. So, um, you know, there was a few new guys that showed up and they were trying to prove themselves a bit like I was the year before. So it was, it was a good, good year of tilts. I think the only one that I, I remember like losing badly was in Kalos at center ice with Kevin Kaminsky. Um, you know, you've heard his name. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. He's forever. Killer Kaminsky. Yeah, I remember he's not that big, but he's such a smart fighter. And I remember him beating me up in Calos at center ice. All <laughs> right, and and he was on uh, Saskatoon, correct? Yeah, yeah. And they always had tough teams. Yeah, so it took me a few years to get him back in the minors, but I finally got him back. <laughs> yeah, you got him in Fort Wayne, and then you guys—that uh, was actually your first fight with the Islanders, if you remember. Was, yeah, that's uh, right. Yeah. You your yeah. first fight with the Islanders, and he was with Washington, so. Uh, so you guys had a nice little rivalry there. Yeah, for sure, yeah. So that year, so let's just let's agree that you had between 30 and 34 fights and including I guess exhibition and playoffs and everything. You fought Kerry Toporowski six times that year, including yeah. uh, one fight that I think was on national television. Um, you fought Darcy Simon from Seattle four times. And uh, Cam Brower of Seattle and Greg Spenrath of Tri-City three times. So those were your uh, frequent dance partners that year. Um, anything personal with any of those guys, or it's just, you know, uh, typical uh, just guys doing the job? No, I think besides Toporowski, uh, he just wanted to fight every game for some reason. I don't <laughs> know why. Um, and, you know, for the other guys, it was just business as usual. But, uh, yeah, Toporowski, I don't know, he was... He was uh, a little bit younger, and he, he he always wanted to come after me. <laughs> I told him, wait. 
you know, he, I don't want to just fight for nothing. You know, it has to mean something here. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and I, I know he, he, he learned a lot. And he, he got better at it later. But uh, he, he was a really tough guy for a young guy. In the Western League, they don't count 10-minute misconducts as well back when I played. So the year after I left, he had almost 500, or I believe 500 penalty minutes. And they said if they counted 10 minutes that year, he would have had 800 penalty minutes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's... <laughs> He's a legend down there for sure. You for sure. Yeah. And you did very well. That one fight, out of all the fights you had, the only fight that I saw was the one that was televised, and you did very well in that one. Yeah, that was a playoffs, and that was a big. You know, they were taking control of us a little bit, so I I went after him on that one actually, and and I, I felt I got a little bit of the better of him on that one. I got a little bit of momentum back from the guys and got the rink going, and uh, it's kind of kind of what I wanted. Yeah, and I mean, like you say, the the Toporowski name, you, you know. You could say that 20 years ago or 20 years from now, if you're in a Western League barn and you say the name Toporowski, everyone's going to know exactly who you're talking about. Yeah, for sure, yeah. <laughs> so after that year, and you, you spoke about it earlier, um, you were drafted by Calgary, and um, I knew that, I would imagine you expected to be drafted because I know you were there since I saw your draft picture. So um, what, uh, now you said you had spoken to Vancouver, and... Had you spoken to any other teams prior to the draft? I know you were hoping for Vancouver, a hometown team. Had you spoken to anyone else prior to that that uh, if it didn't work out with Vancouver that you thought might take you? Um, you know, I, I heard some rumors. Just my agent was Donnie Meehan from Newport Sports, um, and he he was in Vancouver, uh, and he told me to come down, and I, I was rated to go in the seventh round, and I wasn't going to go, and then he, he talked to me into coming down. He said, just drive down, it's a few hours. Um, so I came down, uh, um, but I, I did talk to Minnesota briefly, mm-hmm. um, you know, and I heard a few rumblings from my agent that there was a, a couple other teams interested, but I, I don't really remember who they were. Um, but um, I remember going to the draft, and there was a, a, a player, Cal McGowan, his name is, and mm-hmm. we grew up together in Merritt. We played in Merritt. I talked to him into coming to Kamloops. He came to Kamloops. We played on the same line together for two years on the fourth line, third or fourth, and um, and then um, it was the fourth round, and Minnesota had two picks back-to-back, and he got picked in the first one. And I thought, no way, I'm going to get picked by Minnesota with the next one. Um, and they ended up taking a guy named, I uh, uh, can't remember his first name, uh, Kovacs. Oh, Frank? Uh, Frank Kovacs, Frank maybe? Kovacs, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so I was really disappointed, and I, I thought, oh, great. And then there was there was only a few more picks until the break, and I thought, oh, I don't know, I'm going in the seventh round or something. And uh, I got picked by Calgary. I, th- I believe one or two picks after after the Minnesota pick. So, um, so what what a great experience that was. And that all a lot of, lot of guys showed up. I didn't even know were showing up from my hometown. And guys that were living in Vancouver, you know, were there. And it ended up being about twenty of us that went out that day, nice. including Lynn, Lynn Gates picked me up and we went out with him. I went out with him. <laughs> Did he still have the black eyes? No, he didn't have the black eyes. But I remember being at the bar after and. Uh, it was Craig Cox and uh, I can't. I think Gary Lupo. Okay. We're in the bar, and he, Link told them, "Oh yeah, my my buddy just got drafted today." And they're like, "Oh, congratulations!" And you know, you going back to junior, and Link's like, "No, he's gonna be coming after you this year, Cox." And I was like, hey. <laughs> <laughs> "Planting the seed already?" He's uh, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. that year, um, so you went to you went to camp with Calgary. I assume that that. Uh, that season, um, yep. and when you went to camp, 
guys like uh, Tim Hunter and Jim Kite, very established guys. I mean, Tim Hunter, Flames legend. Uh, amongst other players that they had there, uh, what was that experience like, your very first pro camp with Calgary? It was crazy because they, they won the Stanley Cup the year before, and they had a huge roster of players. Yeah. You know, I just watched them, you know, a few years ago, you know, on TV, and I was like, wow. You know, in 86, they lost they lost to Montreal in the, in the final, and a lot of those players were still on the team. And then they won it in 89 with Lanny and all these players, and, you know, there were still 75% of those players on the team when I was there. And I thought, oh, great, there's no chance I'm making this team. Yeah. <laughs> When I was there, I just kept my mouth shut. They all thought I was Swedish because I was uh, blonde hair, blue eyes, yep. and uh, wasn't really doing much. You know, I didn't want to stir too many feathers or or do a whole lot. And uh, um, but uh, but yeah, it was, it was a great experience. I mean, I, it, it was great. I, I I didn't play any exhibition games with the the main team that year, mm-hmm. but I played a, a bunch with uh, the minor league team in Calgary. We yep. had a little tournament against Edmonton's farm team, Vancouver's farm team. And Calgary's farm team was there. Well, those games must have been fun. Yeah, my first game I ever played in was against Vancouver, and the team that passed on me in the draft, which yeah. made me furious. So my first shift before they dropped the puck, I dropped my gloves and I had beat up Antoski, who was a, a big man. Yeah, and he was their first rounder, and I got him pretty good. And, and so I was in the penalty box, and Gino Ojek got a penalty, a former Islander again. And he was lipping at me in the box, saying, "I, you know, he's going to get me because I beat up the first rounder." And um, I'm like, "That guy's huge." I mean, <laughs> so anyhow, we ended up leaving our gloves and our elbow pads in the penalty box, went out center ice, and fought. So, and uh, he hurt his hand on my forehead. I know that. He's a tough <laughs> um, anyhow, uh, that I, that game, I had zero seconds played, and was we were both ejected. Uh, <laughs> That's. So, First game I ever played in the minors, I got zero seconds played. Zero seconds? And would you have like 10 penalty minutes in a game? Yeah, so yeah, something like that. And uh, we played that game. There was 18 fights that game. And uh, so we had to play them the next night. Um, Gino was in the crowd literally with his hand in a cast from hitting me in the head so hard. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> so, so the next game there was only 11 fights. And I'm like, what's going on around here? And it was like, you know, Kerry Clark... Uh, you know, former Islander, mm-hmm. drafty. Uh, you know, we had Stu Grimson. We had it was amazing the tough players. I mean, it was, it was easier to say the players that weren't tough than the players that were tough on that team. I bet. I bet. Yeah. So um, camp ends and you end up in Salt Lake, and uh, one of the players. Well, let's not single out one guy. Let me rattle off some names for you here. This is the group that you played with. Um, Kerry Clark, you just mentioned. Uh, Darren Banks, uh, Rick Lassard, Kevin Grant, Richard Zemlak, Martin Samard, Ken Sabrin, and the guy, I think he might have led your team in scoring, uh, Chernum, Rich Chernamaz, who I guess was uh, was a decent player. Uh, I guess he didn't mind scrapping too. Uh, well, so, as a kid coming in, your first, first year pro, is it good that you're playing with all these guys that are tough, or is there a lot of competition? Um. A little bit of both. I mean, I was so young. I, I, I was 20 when I got to Salt Lake, and you know, and um, you know, I, I looked at some of these players, and I knew a lot of them who they were. You know, and there was there was a lot of Western League guys too on that team, and 
um, in and around the league. So, I mean, it was a little intimidating, but the good part about the IHL was, I mean, we you don't only address 18 players, so you, you always got lots of ice time, which was huge for my development. And um, But it was a very physical um, league, and we, we had a, a, a scary team, like you just mentioned. I mean, I think I was third on the team that year with 27 majors that year, um, and it, it was crazy. I heard somebody told me that there was we had 184 majors, fighting majors that year. I believe it. Yeah, and uh, I've never done the math, but I mean it sounds about right. I think our goalie even had three or four, Jason Mazzotti, <laughs> and uh, even like you mentioned, our, our top scorer probably had four, five, six, seven uh, scraps back. Then. Yeah, <laughs> so it was. It was amazing, but it, there was a brawl, line brawl every night, you know, a few brawls here and there. And, uh, but the best times of my life, I mean, uh, playing in the minors with with guys trying to make it, and we were all in the same boat. We were just basically fighting for our lives, trying to make the next step, and, uh, and we had a lot of fun, too. So great, great memories. So we, we have to talk about Kerry Clark. Uh, I love Sharky. Uh, I'm very happy that uh, he's... Uh, part of the Islander organization, uh, terrific individual. So I have two questions. The first question is, any uh, when was the first time? And you may not remember the exact first time, but what were your impressions? I imagine he might have done his um, three amigos goal celebration once or twice while uh, he was down in Salt Lake with you. Had you seen that one yet? Yeah, yeah, the three amigos. Yeah, <laughs> moonwalk. Yeah, the moonwalk into the three amigos. Did that? I know. Um, you know, we had discussed Dean Ewan, and he played with him in Springfield, and he said yeah. that that celebration started more than a few fights. Yeah, I got to the point where he was doing it all the time when he scored, and the, Bobby Francis, who was our coach down there, finally told him, "Like, like Sharky, you you can't do this anymore. <laughs> you you can't do this. This is causing too much trouble." And you know, he. I remember playing one game. At, at, I think we were playing. Uh, Indianapolis, and uh, oh no, sorry, maybe oh, might have been Fort Wayne. Anyhow, I guess it's it's irrelevant. Um, but anyhow, he had scored a, a decent goal, and you know, Kerry didn't score a ton of goals. And uh, you know, he just casually went to the bench, and then he scored a second goal the same game, and uh, you know, nothing again. And then he had a slap shot for a hat trick, and he shelved it, and he couldn't help himself. He went straight into the. <laughs> the moon walked up center ice, and then he did the three amigos. And sure enough, they had five of their toughest guys on the ice the next shift, and it was on. It was a big brawl. Um, but it was worth it for that. It was classic. Uh, but he was, he's definitely an entertainer. I mean, I miss guys like that, and I think the game, you know, is is, is a at a loss without you know those type of players because they were they were characters, and, and people love guys like that. That's why they went to the rink. If, if you ask people that were uh, Golden Eagle fans back then or Springfield Indian fans or Portland Pirate fans or Orlando Solar Bear fans, I guarantee you if you ask some memorable players, Kerry Clark's name is always going to come up because of what you said as far as he's a character player and a character. And when you take these guys out of the game, you lose a lot of character and it becomes very vanilla. So I agree with you 100%. Yeah, for sure. And I, I always felt, I, I, I felt uh, Clarky got a, Sharky got a raw deal a couple times. Like, I mean, he's a good player. He scored twenty goals that year, and you know, he stuck up for his teammates. He did everything. He, you know, and he, he, he never really got a good chance. 
um, to play, and he was always kind of in the shadows of, of Wendell a little bit, which, which you know, Wendell's a great player, and I, I thought Kerry uh, deserved a little bit better, you know, fate than, than what he got. Like, I, I believe he deserved a chance in the NHL. I, I wish it would have come with the Islanders, you know, and uh, he wasn't in the, with the organization that long, but um, but I know, you know, he made an impression. I, I know, you know, guys like yourself who played with him, I don't know anybody who has a bad word to say about him as far as his ability and his uh, leadership and his character. So it would have been nice, and I know later in the, in his career he got a few exhibition games uh, with Washington, and uh, but nothing ever, ever panned out in the NHL, but... You know, people that watched him play, we all know that uh, that he was uh, definitely worthy of getting a few games in the NHL for sure. Yeah, for sure. And I, I, I just played golf with him about two years ago, and we were we were talking about it. And, uh, um, you know, I, I was was saying exactly that. And uh, you know, he, he has no hard feelings. I mean, he, he's he's proud of his career. We were looking at his stats actually. I we had over four hundred professional fights yeah. when you go from junior all the way to. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of fighting. Jeez. Yeah. Uh, they're uh, you know they raise him tough in Kelvington I guess. Yeah, that's for sure. I mean, yeah, okay. and he he was my uh, he was my best friend when I played. Um, you know, we were roommates on the road and and in in Salt Lake as well. So spent a lot of time, and he, he's a great man. Well, it's no surprise. I, I happen to hold you two in very high regard, so it's no surprise that you got along well. Um, you said you were surprised that he didn't get a shot with Calgary, but you did get a shot. Um, Later in the year, uh, you played a game against LA. How did you find out you were getting the call up? Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know that that was my first year in Salt Lake, and you know I, I had a pretty decent year. And um, Calgary was, you know, chugging along. No, the Flames were uh, no problem at all. You know, we had the great team from the Stanley Cup run still, and uh, they hadn't won the division um, or the conference or whatever you know was called back then. And uh, um, they wanted to rest some players, and they wanted to just kind of reward me with a game, which came as a total surprise. I actually had my, my dad and my stepmom in Phoenix with me uh, watching me play in the minors down there. And they actually drove all night, all day and all night, um, or all night and all day, to get there to make the puck drop, uh, which was great. Um, so, But, yeah, I was so surprised. I had no idea that was coming. So what's that like when you uh, when you take the warm up with uh, like you say Calgary's still a very good team got some pretty legendary guys there and here's uh, Merritt BC's Paul Cruz out in the warm up with some of these uh, Hall of Famers. Yeah, that that was a little intimidating. Uh, play your first game against Wayne Gretzky. Um, I I don't remember who I was playing with that day, but I can remember Wayne in the warm up and I, I missed my first line rush because I was staring at Wayne the whole time <laughs> and. Um, it was amazing, yeah. I mean, it was a mean-nothing game, and uh, well, for, for Calgary, but, you know, I was very honored to, to get to play, um, you know, at least one game and, and to kind of start my career off uh, um, that year. Do you remember who you fought? Um, yeah, um, I, I, I know his last name was Thompson. I can't remember his first name. Jimmy but, Thompson, Jim Thompson. Oh, Jim Thompson, yeah. And I know he fought Dave Brown up in Edmonton the night before, I believe, and I, I had no idea who he was. He played in the American League, and I played in the IHL, so it's the first time I ever seen the guy. <laughs> he, uh, he actually kind of whacked me, so I was like, okay. So, I mean, they had a pretty tough team with Jay Miller and Marty McSorley and yeah. uh, 
you know, I think even, uh, I don't know if Playfair was there or not, but I mean, uh, I mean uh, it was it was probably better I went uh, with a guy like Thompson instead of uh, Marty maybe my first game. Probably a good <laughs> idea. Probably a good idea. Marty might be a little too much for a kid uh, just coming up, so. Yeah, for sure. You know. Uh, so, yeah. so um, you go back to Salt Lake for the playoffs, and then uh, you have your summer next year, 91-92. So now you're coming in to your second camp with Calgary. Uh, you had the one game with Calgary. You had a full season pro. Uh, how did that second camp differ from your first camp? Um, yeah, definitely. I, I was coming in as a, one of the you know top prospects, and I was not really told if I was you know if I was going to make the team or not. I had to earn it, and you know I, the one year in Salt Lake didn't really you know mean much, especially with the roster the Flames had. So I mean. You know, I got some some preseason games in, and you know, I was able to maybe establish myself. I had a little bit of confidence because you know, I I had come up for the one game and you know, spent a little time and got to know a few of the guys. But I was still still a little intimidated coming in, you know, to uh, to a, a roster that the Flames had, and to uh, think that I had a chance of making the team. And that team, again, we we talk about. I, I talked about when you first camp when you went there. Uh, with Tim Hunter was there and Jim Kite. So now your second camp, uh, Hunter is still there, Jim Kite's still there, and then there you had guys like Craig Berube and Ronnie Stern, Gary Roberts, uh, Neil Sheehy. So Calgary had no shortness of toughness that year. And how does uh, Paul Cruz fit into that uh, pecking order there? Yeah, I, I, I don't know, actually. <laughs> no, but, uh, you know it was it, it was a fun year. Like I mean, I I went in there just you know trying my hardest. I would have done anything you know to make the team, and uh, you know I, I I don't remember a lot about that camp. Yeah. Um. You know I, I I was out there just being myself, and you know I you know try not to cause too much trouble with, with you know these guys that I know. But I mean, they throw my weight around a bit, and uh, you know you know and then then the preseason came and I was able to you know get out there and, and run around a bit and kind of prove, you know, that I could skate and keep up and, uh, you know, and take on any any battles that came my way. You scored your first NHL goal. Uh, you had three that year, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, do you remember your first NHL goal? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was in old, old uh, Chicago Stadium, which was a classic. Um, I'm not sure if you made it down there or not, an old one, but... I wish I didn't. I wish I did. Yeah, it was incredible. I mean, just the anthem there, you know, back then, they had the old pipe organ, and, you know, the stands were right on top of each other, and it was so loud. It was just mind-boggling. And, uh, and uh, yeah, it was, uh, um, yeah, I think it might have been offside, actually. <laughs> and, uh, um, and it was Eddie Belfort, and I had to think about that for a sec. Jeez. Yeah. Um, you know, it's getting a long time ago. Hmm. Um, yeah, and I, and, you know, I kept the puck in. I, at least I thought I did. Uh, you know, it might have actually been outside, and I took a slap shot, and it was long nice, and actually went through his legs. So it was, uh, and the same night I scored my first, I think it was Michelle Goulet scored his 500th. So oh. it was, uh, it's kind of a, kind of a, a, a weird flip. He's just <laughs> showing off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, Chicago, like you said, I wish that was one. Every now and then, you know, you watch, you throw an old fight video, or you see something on YouTube, and 
that is definitely one place I, I regret not going to. Uh, I mean, that I, I would say if I was running things, the all the rinks would be like uh, the old stadium, like, say, that Oregon, and uh, maybe not the steps that I think only the visitors had, right, going up and down to the uh, locker room, those steps you yeah. had to make, but... Yeah. Uh, just the dimensions and everything. That's I prefer that much to say the European style, where the rink is like a small lake. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. It was there's nowhere to hide in Chicago. <laughs> so um, you had some fights that year. I was I was going over the footage. You had a good, a very good fight with another former Islander, Gerald Diddick. Did he end up headbutting you in that fight? Um. Yeah, I was in Vancouver. Yeah. So it was. Uh, it was. I don't know what game it was for me. I, I hadn't played a ton up that year, but I remember we were going into Vancouver, and I had been up for a couple games uh, from the minors, and we were in Vancouver, and we lost eleven to nothing oh, in boy. Vancouver. And it was, you know, back then. I mean, as soon as it was out of hand, it, you know, it was out of hand at probably four nothing, and you know, things were were getting pretty heated. There was I don't know how many fights were in that game, but but yeah, he was. Uh, he was yelling at me um, a bit and you know, a few things uh, that he said I, I didn't like. So <laughs> it was a lot of and I went right after him. And it was probably the, it was the end of the game. And, and uh, <clears throat> yeah, and I, I went right after him and I, I, I got him a few pretty good shots. And I, and, you know, and I, I, he ended up throwing a headbutt out of frustration. So, but it wasn't that I was really really worried about when I was going back towards the bench uh, it, it was um, uh, Dan or uh, Quinn mm-hmm. um, the coach um, Pat Quinn Pat Quinn yeah he threw his gum at me that scared me more than headbutt <laughs> <laughs> so uh, just like we had uh, talked about Kerry Clark being a character with, during your time with Calgary you played with one of the all time characters uh, in the NHL who unfortunately is no longer with us. Uh, do you have any uh, any stories about Greg Bird Dog Smith? Uh, yeah, he was unique. Yeah, he was he was funny. Um, you know, Bird Dog. So he, I don't know what year it was. I think I want to say '94. They came out with a rule that you didn't have to wear a helmet if you were if you signed a waiver. Yeah. And he said he wasn't going to wear a helmet, and we were all said, "Oh, you're crazy." <laughs> <laughs> and he said, "Yeah, yeah I know." <laughs> yeah, and. Uh, Anyhow, he uh, he ended up going a couple practices with no helmet on. I think he got whacked once in the head. He said, "Yeah, okay, I'm I'm, I'm putting it back on." Yeah, <laughs> um, makes sense. But yeah, he's a he's a classic, uh, you know, tough guy. Like he, you know, he's a character. He was funny. Um, he always wanted to bet. He always wanted to you know to, to do things. We always played you know get stupid games for money, like for a couple bucks here or there. He's a poor loser. If he lost, he'd want to fight you. <laughs> which is um but yeah he had a rough go i mean he's no longer with us and you know I, a bunch of us did a you know a, uh put together a video tribute kind of towards him and uh hopefully he got to see it i'm not sure if he did before he left us but what a great guy i didn't see it i'm definitely gonna look for it though for sure i'm sure it was awesome yeah um so that was your first taste of the Battle of Alberta. So for for people here in my neck of the woods, we had the uh, we ha- I'm going to say we had because uh, I don't really consider uh, the NHL to have any real rivalries anymore. But we had uh, the Islander Ranger rivalry, and uh, which is one of the all time great ones. There's probably four or five great rivalries uh, in the NHL, 
and uh, you were part of uh, the Battle of Alberta. So uh, you had mentioned those uh, those uh, IHL games back then, playing with the uh, the Oiler, against the Oiler uh, farmhands. Uh, but this was your first taste of playing at the NHL level. What was that experience like? Uh, you know, that I, I loved it. I mean, uh, those those are the games I loved to play in and thrived in. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, I actually look forward to those. I mean, I'm sure a lot of guys kind of cringed when it came to playing them, but uh, uh, I, I loved it. I mean, Oilers were a good team even after Gretzky left. I mean, they still had some great players. And, you know, and, and we had a great team as well. So, I mean, it was... Um, it was it, it was it was hard to go in there, but it was fun as well, and, and you know, and I, I enjoyed every minute of that rivalry. Uh, for me, it was more Vancouver because of the obvious reasons I told you earlier. But uh, yeah. but you know, that was a personal uh, you know uh, thing I had. But I mean, the, the Edmonton was you know that, that there was a, you know if we went through that game without three or four or five fights, I mean that was a that was that was an odd night. Yeah, really. Um, yeah. So the next season. Um, again, you split the year between Salt Lake and Calgary, and that year in Salt Lake was uh, your first experience with Mr. Sandy McCarthy, uh, and you guys were teammates for a few years there. Uh, what were your first impressions of Sandy? Um, yeah, I, I, I love Sandy, and you know he's, he's a tough man, a big man. Um, I swear you could not hurt that guy. Um, you know, I, I played against him in the Memorial Cup in the WHL back in 1990, Okay. And him and Gino Ojek were on the same team, and I was like, "Holy cow, these guys are, are big!" But uh, <laughs> they were a little bit. Well, Sandy was a little bit younger, and you know, and, and nothing developed there. Um, but you know, his first training camp, we actually fought, and I thought I was getting the better of Sandy. I was, uh, you know, I threw definitely threw more punches, but man, when he got a hold of me, he he he, he got me a couple good times and broke my nose up uh, pretty good. And I remember we were in the hotel. And uh, we're sitting in the hot tub and uh, kind of laughing about it. That was kind of when I first kind of met him and talked to him. Yeah. It was after that game. And I was sitting in there, in there with, I think, gauze in my nose. <laughs> and we had a pretty good laugh about it. And we were kind of buddies after that, too. And then he was my roommate uh, in Calgary the whole time. And, um, you know, he, he he's a tough man. Like, he, I, I seen him fight everybody. And, you know, he, he uh, I didn't really see him ever really lose, to tell you the truth. Yeah, no. For for his time, I mean, he's always mentioned. Um, you know, no matter what season it is in the NHL, he's always up there with uh, people talk about him and Tony Twist, and uh, you know, always near you know top two or three every season that the guy played. So, um, and yeah. you saw him. You know, you saw basically the the birth of him as a pro. So you were right there on the ground floor. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, I, I remember, I don't even know if it's on video or not, but him fighting uh, uh, Marty McSorley in preseason in, I believe, San Diego um, was a, one of the best fights i ever seen. I couldn't believe that two guys could hit each other that much and that often and not go down. <laughs> um, but in the, the, it was preseason, um, but, you know, and it, it was incredible. Uh, you know, I, I mean, I saw him fight Probert. I mean, Proby was kind of, a little bit deteriorated at the time, you know, not himself as as he was in the past. But I mean, still, he's a very tough man, and I thought Sandy got a little bit of the better of him. And you know, and he, like I said, he, he you know, he was fighting Domi, you know, he he, he was fighting uh, all these guys and, and and doing very well. And I I thought he was definitely top five for at least the five years I I was playing with him here in Calgary. 
Oh, I, I don't think there's any question about that. That's that. I think I think to put him top five is probably pretty safe. I'm sure. You know, if you really went through the tapes, you know, you probably, you know, like I said, it's generally regarded during you know his prime. It was him and Twist and maybe Stu Grimson and and a few other guys. But you know, Sandy was always one of the best. For sure. Yeah. So that year in Salt Lake. Um, so now that was your third year, maybe uh, Salt Lake and. Does your role change now? You're a guy who had some games in Calgary. You're you're a veteran. Let's say you're not you know a three year veteran, which you know is I guess different in the minors than it is in the NHL. And um, so, do you have more of a leadership role during your time down there? And uh, not just say with someone like Sandy, who you can kind of show him the ropes of the league and the tough guys. But how was your role different in year three in Salt Lake as it was in year one? Um, yeah, it was, it, it was different. I mean, I, I I wasn't happy about going back, to tell you the truth. And, you know, I had a bit of a bad attitude. Um, my numbers fell off considerably. Um, but, but you know, I, I back then, I mean, you, I, I don't know if it's still in effect, but, I mean, they can send you down for the first three years without going through waivers. Okay. Uh, so that was kind of, I felt like I kept getting sent down just to make room for certain players. And, you know, in, in, you know which is which is sports. Um you know, yeah, I went down there and I had a, a little bit of a bad attitude, but I mean, I, I got that sorted out quickly. And yeah, I, 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 I try to pride myself on being a bit of a leader um, with some guys like Sandy and 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 uh, some of the other players there for sure. Um, and there was also a graduation period, like I said, with you know, we, we brought in some players that that were 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 you know some good players, and you know, there wasn't as much fighting. There was still a lot of fighting, but it wasn't like you know the 184 majors you talked about. Um, you know, it it kind of calmed down a little bit. Um, you know, a lot of my friends had got traded and moved out of there. I mean, nothing ever lasts forever, right? So yeah. it was different for sure. But I, you know, I I wasn't happy about being there, but I tried to try to make the best of it, and I got back to Calgary eventually. Yeah. Um, and yeah, definitely my role had changed a bit. Um, you know, I was scoring some goals down in the minors, and you know, when I went up, I wasn't playing as much, uh, which is which is. Uh, um, common obviously yeah. uh, so but things ended up working out and I made it back up there and kind of got my role back your first fight well the one fight you had um, several fights in the IHL and then you had one fight and a call up which might have been your best fight that year uh, if you remember the toe to toe fight you had with Brad May oh yeah yeah definitely yeah amazing um, yeah because uh, we are buddies and uh um, you know, I, I, I do talk to him occasionally, and I got traded out to Buffalo after the island. Yeah. And uh, he just left there. He just got traded out of there. But we had two great playoff runs, and he came back, and, uh, you know, we ended up uh, hanging out a bit, and, you know, and, 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 and becoming friends. But, yeah, um, yeah, I didn't know who he was, and he didn't know who I was. And I know um, Bird Dog, Greg Smythe, and uh, I can't remember uh, uh, the other fella. Uh, it'll come to me. They were healthy scratches, and they were in the penalty box, and they were actually betting on who was going to win. <laughs> so, <laughs> Is that right? Yeah, he, um, he really did bet on anything, didn't he? Yeah, so it was McGuire, McGuire, who was in Buffalo. Okay. And so they were in the penalty box betting, and 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 uh, you know, and, and we're about the same size, Maisie. Yeah. Maybe I'm a little bit taller, but I mean, you know, both gamers and both like to throw them. So I, I, I thought that would be a good matchup. So yeah, we we went toe to toe pretty well. And uh, it was a fun fight, actually. 
Well, I'm, I, speaking from my couch, it was a lot of fun to watch, and I didn't have to take any punches to enjoy it. So thank <laughs> yeah. you for that. Yeah. yeah. The, other, the other fight you had that year and um, was a rematch with Gerald Diddick that I remember being an absolute slugfest. So uh, was this anything residual from the season before with the headbutt, or was it just you looking to fight someone wearing a Canucks uniform again or uh, anything behind that fight? Um, I think a little bit of both. I mean, we, we never really had any love for each other after that, for sure. And, and, and kind of went on and on and on a bit. And, uh, um, you know, I, I even, uh, you know, to back it up to the to the first year when I fought him, I actually got a, you know, I got a death, death threat in the mail from, uh, you know, from somebody out of BC and the NHL actually investigated it. So No kidding. <laughs> was, yeah, so, you know, there, there was definitely, a, you know, some hostileness and, um you know, I, I think he thought maybe I jumped him, and uh, I definitely got the jump on him for sure. But I know I told him he was coming. I was coming for him. So I mean, yeah, there was some bad blood, and in, in you know, and, uh, I'm sure that I don't remember how that second one started, but I would imagine it was probably fallout from the first year, and um, and plus it was the Canucks, like you mentioned. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's what I figured. So. I didn't. I didn't know that before we started speaking. But now everything you said, I'm like, okay, maybe it's just a guy wearing a Canucks uniform. So, uh, <laughs> you know. So yeah, uh, sure. when you go to ninety three, ninety four, now this is your first full season. Um, you mentioned that when you went, uh, you were sent to the minors the season before. It was a very frustrating experience for you. So, with that in mind, going into camp in ninety three. Uh, did you do anything differently or was it sort of, did you get in the uh, mode where you said, I'm not going down again or, or did anything different happen? Um, yeah, for sure. I mean, uh, like I said, I mean, the eligibility thing, uh, you know, my three years kind of uh, ran out as well. And, you know, if I did get sent down, I'd have to go through the waiver wire. Um, you know, so I think I had their, they had their hands tied a bit too. They had to make some decisions on some players, not just me. Um, so yeah, no, but I definitely went in there and I, I, I wanted a spot bad. And, uh, you know, and, and, and actually, um, uh, it was a funny story that happened is, is uh, actually it might be 94, sorry, I'm off years here. But uh, okay. when we get to 94, uh, I'll, I'll talk about that. But uh, um, but yeah, 93, I, I just, you know, I, I, I had to make the team, um, you know, and, and it, I would do anything to do it. And, uh, you know, luckily I ended up sticking it out again. Um, and that's just kind of, yeah, history now, I guess. So I'm laughing because my next question is about you fighting Tim Hunter. So, um, you know, again, Calgary legend Tim Hunter. And ironically, at this point, he's wearing, you know, what kind of uniform, Vancouver Canucks. So uh, yeah. um, was it as he's he was the guy when you came into the organization so um, was it weird fighting him in a way uh, because it was, you know, as a young kid coming in, it was Tim Hunter and he was the, the resident tough guy. And I know he's wearing a Canucks uniform now, but was, was there anything weird about fighting it or was he just another guy in a Canucks uniform? Well, he was just another guy in a Canucks uniform at that point. I mean, I, I, I really respected him, you know, uh, you know, and I still do. Um, he's a coach out in uh, PA, I believe now. Mm -hmm. Um, or sorry, Moose Shaw. Yeah, uh, but but yeah, no, I really respect him. And, you know, I, I loved watching him in the Oiler days. I mean, we went through a lot of battles, 
you know, you know, before me, he was fighting Semenko and all these guys, and you know, he's a legend. He won a Stanley Cup here in Calgary, so um, I highly respected him. And actually, I think he was kind of mad that he kind of got left Calgary. And I, I you know, I, I still remember he kind of hit me, kind of came from me, so I didn't, I didn't really know what to do at the time. So you know, of course, I'm not going to back away from him. So it was a decent fight. I mean, like I said, I respect him. I mean, I thought it was a, a fair fight. And a clean fight, and it was good. One of your better fights that year um, is against someone who I think is underrated as far as a fighter goes, a guy named Phil Crow who played some games with the Kings, and you had a really, really good fight with him that year. Do you remember that one by chance? Yeah, I do, yeah. I, I, I remember playing against him in the minors, and you know, he had some battles, and I knew he was tough. And he's a local kid, too. He's from Calgary, so okay. he got called up with LA they had some injuries and he got called up and I, I knew he'd be looking for somebody to fight and uh, I was probably the best suit for him in his weight class and uh, you know we, I, we, I remember the first shift we lined up with just gloves were flying and um, it turned out to be a, a really good battle actually and, uh, and I know that one might have been on Rock'em Sock'em somebody told me I, I never saw it on there I'm not sure if that's true or not but, uh, but it was definitely a lot of punches thrown in that one very entertaining for sure. So, so this year, um, like I say, you became a regular of Calgary, and this is the first year, say, of the three-headed monster of Paul Cruz, Sandy McCarthy, Ronnie Stern. So, I know. Uh, speaking of, of Brad May, we were talking about it once, and uh, I, I've gone on record saying I was never a huge fan of Rob Ray. Uh, I didn't really like the Jersey thing, and I always thought for a long time where I thought Brad was actually a better fighter, and and Brad said to me once, he goes, okay, he goes, it's okay that you think that. He goes, but one of the reasons why I'm able to do what I'm able to do is because Rob fights all the heavyweights. He fights all these monsters that I don't have to fight. So I'm able to do a lot of the stuff I do because of the stuff that Rob does. And I, I said, okay, I, I accept that. And it opened my eyes a little bit. So obviously in Buffalo, they had Ray and May and Barnaby and Bob Bugner. So in Calgary, with your dynamic of you and Sandy and Ronnie Stern, how exactly does that break down? I imagine that obviously Sandy is the super heavyweight of the three, but was there ever any discussion in terms of your roles in terms of the three of you? Um, you know, not necessarily. I mean, you know, we knew Sandy was the heavyweight, and, you know, I mean, but, you know, sometimes that's a bad thing, too, because a lot of guys don't want to fight the heavyweight. Sometimes, you know, guys... You know, are are looking for the smaller yeah. <laughs> guys, the middleweight guys. So, you know, which I I would you know um, entertain, but uh, but you know, for the most part, we were we were pretty educated. We knew how who everybody was, who they fought, what hand they were, if they were left or right handed. Um, you know, usually, you know, if we did a momentum change or if we were down by a couple goals, or, you know, we we'd go out and start looking, you know, for you know for. Uh, uh, you know, to create some energy and momentum and switch it back in our favor. So, I mean, it was, it was never really talked about once in a while, you know, if there was some, you know, if there was some shit going on before, you know, in a game before or something, we would say, okay, well, this has got to be dealt with, you know, and, you know, we, we would kind of plan some things out a bit here and there, but for the most part, it was just kind of play hard, you know, and if something happened, we would deal with it at that time. Okay. Um, so I heard a rumor that you have a really good story about 1994. 
Um, yeah, no, I, yeah, the, the training camp, I, I, I think it, it was 94, I, I mean, sort of my years are off a little bit, but that was, we, we had Dave King as our, our coach um, yeah, that year, um, it was our, his first go-around, and he came from the Canadian Olympic team, and he said that we were having a no-fight training camp. Yeah. <laughs> that is funny. Uh, this is the, the best thing that could ever happen. I was, uh, I was out there trying to dangle, and uh, like, this is great. All these young guys coming up, there, you know, they can't do anything. So, um, so anyhow, we had this no fight training camp going on, and uh, next thing you know, this guy's hammering on me. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> I was like, I thought we we're having a no fight training camp, and I, you know, I, I, you know, I didn't even know he was coming after me. And uh, his name was David Nelson. I think he played at Prince Albert. He's a big, tough kid. And, uh, you know, he, he got the better of me. Um, you know, and he, he cut me for about six stitches. And uh, so, anyhow, I, I went in to get sewn up, and I said to the doctor, I said, speed this up, i got to go back out and do, deal with something. <laughs> and anyway, stitched me up, and by the time I got out there, the, the practice, the inter-squad game was over, and they were stretching. Um, so I went up to him, and I, I said, okay, I'm ready now. Let's go. And then the coaches, Dave King and Gishrond, who was also in the Long Island, he, they yeah. all said, oh, oh, let it go. It's all done. Let it go. But I couldn't let it go. So that night we were playing a red-white game um, where people pay $2 and they come in and watch a scrimmage. And so that night I said, oh, I'll, I'll get them that night. And uh, so I was all pumped and get to the rink. And anyhow, I'm, I'm, I'm all pumped. And they know I want to get them. So they... What do they do? They will and they trade him to my team. <laughs> but we're in different dressing rooms. So, anyhow, in warm up, we ended up fighting in warm up. I went after him. And we were on the same team uh, in warm up. And there was people in the crowd trying to figure out what was going on. The other team was standing at the red line watching this, trying to figure out what's going on. <laughs> so, but Sarah Flurry was talking about that the other day on, on uh, the radio, actually. Nice. Uh, and uh, he said that was probably one of the funniest things he ever seen. So, uh, odd moment. So not that wins and losses are everything, but how'd you do in the rematch? Well, I definitely got him back. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Tremendous. So um, so that year, um, your battle of Alberta continued. You, uh, you had a very, very good fight in the preseason with a guy you'd fought a few times before that, Brian Marchman. Do you recall that fight? Um, yeah, oh, definitely. Yeah, I, I fought him before, uh, you know, in... in uh, in Hartford, I believe. Yeah, um, which was an excellent fight as well. And then, uh, 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 but it, what happened is Marchman the, the year before he had uh, somebody rimmed the puck, and I, I was going down to get it, or I was standing on the wall to get it, and I, I knew he was coming to hit me. And I was just going to let him hit me, um, but he cross-checked me in the arm, and he actually snapped my bicep off, like part of my bicep off my arm. Oh, jeez, <laughs> which wow. was not fun. So. That fight was based on payback on that one. Mm. <laughs> nice. Um, so that was also the season of the lockout. So wh- how was that camp? Was that camp, uh, You, I could imagine you couldn't really focus. You had to focus on hockey, obviously, but you had the labor issues uh, in the background the whole time. So how was, how was dealing with that? Yeah, for sure. I mean, we all knew it was coming. And, you know, it was unfortunate anytime there's a stoppage. In any sport, in any league, um, so yeah, it was it, we saw it coming, which sucked. I mean, um, you know, you know, we had to sit back and and uh, 
you know, watch this kind of develop. Well, you know, and I, I didn't really have a lot of say. I was a young player, um, you know, and, and, you know, we were fighting for certain rights. And, you know, it, it's unfortunate I got that far. What did you do during the lockout? Anything of note? Um, you know what? I we, we played a lot of shinny hockey. And, you know what? I actually, actually went to work. I was actually a bartender briefly. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Had my buddy's bar just for something to do. <laughs> <laughs> um, lockout ends now, and um, I, I got to say, you—you you know, I don't know. You're—you're you're a pretty modest guy, but let's just throw this out there. You've always had pretty good hands. You—you you, do you know that you had a goal? You averaged the goal every four games that season. Yeah, that was, that was definitely my best year for sure, um, point-wise uh, or goal-wise. Um, yeah, it was a, I wish it was a full season because I was having so much fun and, and some success. And, um, yeah, somebody told me the other day that I tied Wayne Gretzky in scoring. And I was like, what? And uh, Wayne had 11 goals that year. I had 11. Well, nice. But he had 54 assists, and I think I had five. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think it's like, you know, Wendell always had a lot more goals than assists, so maybe you're just a similar player to that. Yeah, yeah, maybe maybe the Yankees will call me an eleven and five record. There you go, there you go. Yeah. That's not bad. You're, that and if you're lefty, that's a twenty million dollars a year now. Yeah, maybe I should say Mets. Sorry, I forgot where you are. No, no. Well, I don't. I'm not a fan of either team, but you definitely have a better chance of making the Mets roster. There, you know, you probably make them right now. So yeah, that's right. Yeah. So you didn't just score goals that year. You did have a few fights, and one of the guys you fought. We mentioned him before in regards to Sandy. You fought uh, Tony Twist, probably yep. the strongest guy you've ever fought. What's that experience like? Yeah, that wasn't very fun. <laughs> so I mean, I, I know him from the Western League and uh, like from um, you know him and Chaser, you know from the minors, um, you know lots of run-ins. But I remember that was uh, in Calgary against St. Louis, um, and he was playing with uh, Peter Stashney, who was one of the great Stashney brothers, one of the great all-time scorers in the league. Yeah. He was kind of on the way out of his off his career, and they had him down on the fourth line, and, and unfortunately, I, you know, I, you're out there trying to create some energy, and I didn't, you know, Peter was there, and I ran over Peter, and I knew Tony was coming right away. So. Did, you, did you have, did you go, oh, God, here we go. Oh, yeah, no, for sure. And, you know, I, I, I think I even said, don't knock me out or something during the fight. <laughs> Like, but yeah, I definitely came in second place in that fight. Well, a lot of people did when they fought him, especially during his second uh, St. Louis tenure. Yeah, no, you know, he was so strong, like you said. I mean, he just did what he wanted, and, you know, he, he could throw you around like a, a little rag doll. And, uh, you know, he, he ran the league for a few years, I, I think, Yeah. Um, in the kind of mid-90s. Definitely. And you had a couple of fights that year with the guys on Chicago, uh, great toe-to-toe -to -toe fight with Jim Cummins, and you had a really good showing against Cam Russell. Do you remember those? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and those are you know guys kind of in you know were in my weight category as well. And uh, you know again, just just trying to get some momentum going. I mean, there was no hate, um, nothing. I mean, not that there ever is a lot in you know in what we did back then, but but I mean, no, that was just straight up hard hockey, and you know it presented itself and. You know why not, right? So it was, uh, but two good fights. I remember uh, with Russell. I mean, uh, we we fought quite a few times over our careers, and you know, he always had good fights. He wasn't scared. He, he would throw both hands as I would, 
and you know, it's, those are the fun fights. Well, well, they're fun for me. I know that. <laughs> you know, yeah. definitely fun on the other side of the television. Yeah, 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 for sure. So, the next season we go ninety-five. Now you play uh, seventy-five games. Do you ever feel comfortable? Like, do you ever feel like I'm? I've made it. Like, uh, I know a lot of guys who do the job. You never feel comfortable. But I, I think in your situation, it seemed like Calgary always appreciated tough players. Uh, you had a you had a good thing going with Sandy and um, Ronnie Stern. Um, do you ever feel not comfortable where you take it for granted, but kind of like you know, like the, the, we always go back to the kid from Merritt, like, hey, I, I've made it. Like, I, I, I've accomplished what I wanted to do when I first started playing hockey. Yeah, I, I mean, you do get comfortable. I mean, that's that's more a confidence thing. Like, I mean, I, I, I knew I deserved to be there. I belonged there. And, you know, my players and teammates appreciated me, and, and I appreciated them. And, um, you know, it, it, it's always hard. I mean, especially in the role we had as a third or fourth line player. I mean, all replaceable players at any time, right? So, I mean, and, and tradable as well. So, I mean, uh, so you always have that element of doubt in your mind, um, you, you know, um, until you, you know, I, I think I, that was the first year maybe I had a one-way contract. Um, so that, that kind of saves you a bit. And now I'm in the situation where they can't put me through waivers. Like earlier, now they're sending some younger kid through waivers to keep, you know, to keep you. So, I mean, it, it definitely changes. And then there's coach changes. And they like to, to bring in the players that they like. And, you know, we, I went through multiple coaching changes. And, you know, they, they all have their, their type of players they want to see and like. And, uh, you know, they bring in certain players and, you know, and sometimes they can replace you or knock you further down the lineup. So it's always a challenge. And, you know, you never really feel like you're 100% secure. But, but about that time of my career, I was feeling pretty good about myself. And that season, it seemed like you... Uh you pumped the brakes a little bit on goal scoring and you focus more on setting up other guys with, you had three goals, but you did have 12 assists. Yeah, I worked the other way around. Yeah. So, um, uh, yeah. Um, not by choice, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> I think everything I shot the year before went in and then this year, nothing was going in. But, uh, um, again, uh, you know, it was, I think it was a coaching change and my ice time was limited a bit. And, you know, as, as, as I wasn't getting as much as the year before, uh, we had a lot of injuries the year before, so, so I mean, uh, my minutes were down, but uh, but you know, we, I, I believe we made the playoffs that year and had a pretty good run that year as well. Well, not not a good run. We lost in the first round, so I shouldn't say that. But I mean, <laughs> that was you know probably the last year the, the Flames made the playoffs for about six or seven years. So, uh, so yeah, it was a couple good years there. Well, I was really just focusing more on the fact that you were more of a playmaker than a sniper. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if you can say either of those in a sentence with me. Wow. Um, <laughs> Listen, that year you had you had 15 points in the NHL. And one of the things I always say with a lot of these people now on social media where they're criticizing professional athletes, this and that, is you had 15 points at, in the best league in the world. So maybe for you it was looked, as, looked on not as necessarily a down year, but you wish you had had more points. I look at it as, man, you had 15 points in the best league in the world. So to me, that means something. Well, yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah, and I, I respect that for sure. And I'm, I'm, I'm downplaying it a bit. But, uh, 
Um, we all want more points. We all want to be the goal scorer. Um, you know, when you play hockey, you don't want to be the guy fighting all the time. But I mean, if you could do all of it, awesome. Um, but you know, I'll, I'll, I'll take any any of the points I got, and I'm proud of them. And uh, yeah, I'm proud of my career. And to me, the best fight uh, or the most entertaining fight you had that year uh, was against Scott Thornton of Edmonton. And he's another guy that was always pretty entertaining when he fought. Uh, do you, that was a nice toe-to-toe one. Do you remember that fight? Oh, definitely, yeah. Uh, yeah, that one hurt. <laughs> <laughs> um, I remember he actually fought Sandy McCarthy uh, a couple games before that in Calgary, and he actually did really well, and I was really surprised. Uh, you know, I, I thought maybe he just got lucky. And, uh, you know, we're in Edmonton, and obviously the rivalry's there. There's some stuff going on. I think we both got roughing penalties two minutes, and we came out of the box after two and went to center ice. And I remember he cracked me with the first left, which uh, surprised me because I know he's right. Yeah. He, he broke my nose on the first punch. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. Yeah, so when I didn't go down, I, I, I stuck it out and, you know, kept throwing him, you know, even with the, with, with the watery eyes from a broken nose. And uh, um, later on, I had some people here that, I know now some friends that were at that game, and they're like, "Holy cow, though, there was blood on the glass." I'm like, "Oh yeah, he cracked me. He Oof. got me." And so he was one of the most underrated fighters, I think, in the NHL. Like he he was very tough, and obviously a great player too. He had a long career. Yeah, and uh, great player. And I played, you know, very briefly with him in in in, uh, in San Jose at the end of my career. Yeah, um, and great guy, great guy. So the next season, I think, was. Uh no, not controversial, but I think it was disappointing for you that year in Calgary. Uh, you start the year in Calgary, um, and you have, you know, Sandy is still there, Ronnie Stern is still there, um, Brian Todd Simpson, the defenseman, a guy who I think is real tough and underrated, Kel Hulse, and they also brought in uh, Sasha Lakovic. And I, if I, I may be misremembering this, I'm not sure, but um, if Sasha's playing, he's taking time away from someone, and... and w- was there a situation where uh, maybe he was playing instead of you or other players were playing instead of you and, and uh, you ended up being healthy scratch more than you wanted to be? And um, is that why you asked to be traded? Yeah, for sure. I mean, uh, you know, we, we had a coaching change that summer and they brought Pierre Paget in. Um, you know, he's a, a, a great GM, but I, I you know, I, I, I didn't... Uh, I didn't know much about his coaching style, and, and you know he he liked the rough stuff, but he had his players he liked, and you know he brought he brought Lakovic in, and yeah, he was you know playing um, ahead of me for some games, and you know and the one that hurt was we played a home and home against Edmonton, and we lost seven nothing in Calgary, and I was a healthy scratch for the first time ever, and you know and that was that one hurt me a bit, and then we went up to Edmonton. And, 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 you know, I was a healthy scratch up there, and I thought, you know, that's, that's probably, you know, maybe writing on the wall there. So, yeah, you know, so I I, I just, you know, uh, you know suggested uh, that maybe I should move on. And, um, you know, I know the management really liked me, and they told me to kind of stick it out and, you know, see what happens here. But, but I mean, I, I, I was just at kind of the point where I, I couldn't watch anymore. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I, I mean, I did, did, did ask for the trade, and Al Coates um, moved me to the island, as you know. Well, like I said, it, it things didn't work out for you, but selfishly for me, I was ecstatic uh, to have you come to my team. 
I was very happy to have you there. I knew what you were capable of, and like I said earlier, we had we had met while you were with Calgary, so uh, so I was very happy to have you in my backyard. Um, so obviously, you were looking for a fresh start. Now, when you came to the Islanders, though, um, this was a very tumultuous time in the organization's history. Uh, a lot of that has to do with Mike Milbury, but you came in and you were looking for a fresh start. So, um, was uh, when you arrive and and this is your first time traded, and obviously I'm not a professional athlete. So when you come to a new team, especially um, new conference, new style of play, everything, do you actually sit down with the with Mike Milbury or the coaches or whomever? And um, obviously everyone knows what kind of player you are, but. Uh, do you have a discussion with what uh, what they expect from you, and maybe uh, if you have any questions? Um, not really. I'm, I'm, I remember showing up here, and I, yeah, it was it was uh, it was exciting. I mean, because I had never had been traded, and, and you know, to go east, and I thought that style might fit me better. Um, you know, so I, I when I got here, I remember not really having a whole lot of time to to kind of communicate. I mean, obviously, I, I, they they sat me down about the system. Um, I think it was uh, assistant coach um, uh, bonus. Uh, bonus, yeah. yeah. Who's, who's coaching? Game. It's good to hear. Um, yeah. yeah he's, you know, we went over the systems, and you know, in, in hockey, there's there's only so many systems, especially back then. I'm sure it's a lot more complicated now. But I mean, so they just want to get me on the par. What you know, what what kind of systems the Islanders play, and and you know what to expect, kind of thing. So yeah, we definitely prepared a little bit, but not uh, not as much. You got to get some playing time to kind of. Get used to it. So, um, just just so you know, um, I am not a big Mike Milbury fan. So this podcast is generally not going to be a Mike Milbury friendly zone. That's my <laughs> that's that's my feelings. I don't ever expect anyone to uh, speak out of school or anything like that. But I just wanted to throw that out there. So no, um, no problem. Hey, I, I I'm on the same boat. Okay, good. So similar to. Um, the situation that you had in Calgary, where like I I, I knew that uh, I do remember where um, you were getting scratched more than normal. Uh, I, I obviously didn't know, you know, not being there that it was uh, the the home and home with Edmonton story, but um, similar to that, um, the Islanders uh, had an enforcer here for many years, Mick Lakota, who uh, was kind of getting the screws put to him by Milbury. So you actually. I know you played with Mick in Utah, but when you got here, was he already gone? Um, not quite. And you know, I I, I, I knew Mick um, a little bit, not not well, but I mean, uh, obviously played against him a few times, um, and I, I I knew him his reputation, um, which was great. Yeah. Um, I got there and I was really excited, and then uh, he got sent down about a week after I got there, which kind of confused me. I wasn't really sure what was going on, but I knew him at uh, Millbury had had some differences yeah. and uh, that it was more of a, a, a personal thing than uh, maybe a business thing. We, the one thing I will say is, you know, being a fan that, you know, following the team and everything, I, I will admit when they first brought Millbury in, I really thought it could be a good thing. I really thought there were certain players, uh, you know, and just maybe he could put a stamp on the team and uh, really do something special here. But like you just said, where it seemed like it was personal, it just seemed like every interaction this guy had with someone, it became personal. And when you add up multiple, multiple personal things, it just, 
eventually is going to override the team concept. So um, it was, it, I mean, it, for sports, for sports, it was a nightmare. You know, real life is a different story, but um, I wasn't sure. I thought he might have been gone, and it's a shame. And actually, I can't wait to get Mick on the show, and uh, I'm sure he'll have some interesting insights on this. But um, one of the guys that you did uh, play with, did you played a lot with Steve Webb, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. When when Mick left, I, I was a little lonely. It wasn't much, uh, it wasn't much, uh, you know, a lot of physical players around. When Mick was there, and you know, the East with Philly and some of these teams, you know, had a, a lot of monsters on their team. Uh, I felt small at this point. Um, yeah, so it was, it was nice to have Webby up. I mean, he, he wore his heart on his sleeve, that guy. I mean, he could fly around and he could run over guys, and, you know, the physical play, and, you know, and he would, he would drop the gloves with anybody i mean he would he, he didn't care if he won or lost he was just total total team guy uh which was awesome you're uh we touched on it earlier uh first fight in washington against uh kevin kaminsky you remember that one yeah a little bit yeah i i, I did feel that well on the ice I, I, and you know and i i don't know um I remember it might have been nerves or something because that was my first game. I was just so confused, and I was just like, just just want to get in a scrap or maybe calm my curve, you know, my nerves down a bit or you know whatever. I mean, I don't know if fighting is the way to do that, but uh, maybe I'm, you know, for me, um, you know, and I, I wanted to kind of you know show my team, but I mean, Kaminsky was always a guy that you know he he would always come after me as well so you know, we've had a history ever since you know the minors from junior you know one of those guys that we've always had the history with so um but uh but yeah I, I respect that guy and i mean i just like i said just wanted to get my feet wet when i got into washington uh i know killer well enough where i think i i think i can say this with the strictest confidence uh he didn't just come after you i think he went after all 20 guys on the other team Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, you don't get a name like Killer for uh, nothing. So uh, not many talents in all leagues. And and that season was that your? Uh, I think Ken Belanger got some games with the Islanders that year too, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Again, yeah, it was nice to have uh, you know a, a, another fourth liner come up that you know could could uh, hold his own and in in, in in battle. And uh, he had some great battles. I mean, he's a lefty, uh, big blonde guy, yeah, uh, like myself. So it was kind of nice. <laughs> To have a guy on the line that you know that you definitely got other guys' attention on the other team. So you played uh, forty-eight games that year, and uh, some of those games were against the Rangers. So what was your uh, what were your impressions with the Ranger Islander rivalry, and how did it compare to Edmonton Calgary? Um, you, you know what, I uh, it was awesome. Like it, it was great. I remember the first time I was in there when I they were that was back when we had the fisherman jerseys, I believe. Yes, it was. I hate those things. Yeah, I mean, I actually had a guy call me, and he was nominated as one of the top worst profe- uh, professional sports uh, uh, jerseys in history. Yeah, uh, yep. I was like, okay. Uh, <laughs> I believed him. Yeah, uh, yeah. No, when we were in there, they were chanting something, and I, I didn't know what it was, and I asked somebody, I go, "What are they saying?" And it was like, they used to chant, "We want fish sticks," because mm-hmm. I'm like, "The yep. player." Yep. And then the pot band sucks, and and then the. Uh, you know, just just a little little quirky things that they still do it was hilarious to me. I was like, "This is awesome!" And, mm-hmm. uh, definitely had some battles in there. Um, you know, I I, it, 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 I didn't wasn't there long enough to really maybe 
get the real hate on for the the rivalry it deserved uh, for me. But I mean, it definitely had some some heat to it when uh, you know in in a lot of the games, especially when the the fans travel so well, you know, so close. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, it, it's awesome. The great atmosphere and just fun to play in. So uh, the next season, that's your uh, you start the year with the Islanders. So you went to training camp that that year and. Uh, I mean, I can't even begin to talk about the training camp stories I've heard about uh, the way Milbury would run some of his training camps. Um, and I'm, again, I'm not asking for anything specific, but because this was your first training camp with a team other than Calgary, um, how was this different uh, for you with uh, a new team, new organization, new bunch of guys? How was this camp different from any of the Calgary ones? Um, you know, I, I didn't even really participate that year I, I had uh, sports hernia surgery in okay. the summer and you know I, I was not able to train and uh, you know I, I came into camp you know not in great shape actually in horrible shape because I couldn't work out and uh, you know I, I was just doing my my therapy and I was just trying to get better um, you know and I, I never really got any reps in and uh, Milbury told me I had to play against the Rangers um, <laughs> I think it's the only playoff game I played that year or sorry, preseason game. Yeah, and uh, I ended up fighting Langdon. Yep, and I was grossly out of shape and just bad. And, and of course, he likes to go along mm -hmm. from his history, and uh, you know, it just wasn't a good thing. But I, I wasn't prepared to play. But what do you say? No, I can't. Sorry. I mean, I guess in hindsight, I should have said that. Um, but you know, he—he's not an approachable guy. You can't really communicate with him. You can't approach him and say something that, you know, it's his way or nothing, pretty much. So. Um, you know, I just I just took it as it was, and I went in and I, I played. So I didn't really get much of a training camp, and I only think I believe I played one or two preseason games um, in that year. Mm -hmm. uh, no, in hindsight, it was probably for the best that you um, you didn't tell him that that you didn't tell him that you shouldn't play because uh, knowing the way he is, uh, you probably would have spent the season in Utah. Yeah, no, he's not an approachable guy. So. No. <laughs> no, but um, so that year, uh, the Islanders had a a guy in camp that's actually still playing. Uh, he's a completely different player now than he was. But uh, what were your impressions of Zdeno Chara back then? Yeah, that was amazing. I mean, I mean, you know, I don't know what his actual height is six nine. Six nine. And, yeah, and I remember watching him in the gym. And you know he he, he looks skinny, um, which I guess he kind of is. But he, he he's in phenomenal shape and he's super strong. And you know I, I was watching him throw weights around and I couldn't believe the weight he was throwing around. And nobody wanted to spot him on the bench press because he could take your teeth out because they could, his arms are so long. Yeah. Up <laughs> by your head. But I remember they had a they had a so I, I believe a second jersey on the another jersey just yeah. to make his jersey fit. And I think. They actually changed the stick rule uh, for him as well because uh, there was a certain um, height of stick that you were allowed to have back then, and I, I think they changed the rule because of him. Um, but yeah, he was he was a good player back then. I mean, he was learning. Uh, but I, I think I we were in New Jersey, and he threw around Scott Stevens. Um, you know, he threw him around like a, <laughs> a little puppet. I don't think they actually threw any punches, but I remember him kind of ragdolling that I was like, geez, this, this, this guy's pretty strong. Yeah. He could be tough. And then I, I heard that, you know, he could fight. And then I saw him fight and I was like, holy, 
geez, man, this guy's for real. Uh, it would have been nice to have him, and I, I always look at uh, Chara and Luongo as guys that uh, would have been nice to have as career Islanders, but, uh, uh, you know, you have a guy like Milbury, just uh, you never know when uh, personalities get involved. Yeah, he was firing guys around pretty easily um, back in the day, and, I mean, we had, uh, we had Bertuzzi, um, you know, we had a, a lot of great players and, that were moved out of here. McKay, um, Berard. Yeah. You know, pretty quickly, and I, I don't know if it was because of money or bad decisions. I mean, I guess I know where you're going with it, but I, <laughs> yeah, I, like I said, I don't expect you to say anything, but it's just, you know, it, 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 especially for someone like me who I'm thinking, all right, he's coming in, this could be a good thing, and then after a while, you're like, what is this guy doing? Like, it's like he, uh, he stomps his feet and takes his ball and goes home, and next thing you know, this guy's out of here, that guy's out of here, and the the amount of guys you know like I say with with Chara, Luongo, McKay, Bertuzzi, Berard, these are all young players that had really great careers where it makes you wonder if he wasn't such a baby and these you have a core uh, group there that uh, you never know what happens if they stick together. No, I agree 100. And I, I mean he he made some strange moves and I know we had some ownership um, issues back then as well. I mean, but. But I mean, uh, I don't know what the money situation was, but I, I think he was just just firing darts anywhere he could just to try to make a difference. But uh, like you said, I don't think it made us a better team. It actually hurt us more than that. And, you know, and we never really could get some, sort of an identity um, back then, like a core, like you said, right? We just couldn't find our identity because, you know, we never had the same players all the time. And there was a lot of issues and, a lot, of, a lot of different things. I mean, those weren't great times standing-wise and point-wise for uh, for the Islanders. Yeah. And those were really hard times, actually. Mm-hmm. So uh, some of the fights you had that year that stand out, um, obviously Islanders-Rangers, you had a really, really good fight with Ryan Van the Bush. Do you remember that one? Yeah, and again, I, I mean, that was kind of, um, you know, I didn't know much about him, but I, I knew he had knocked out... Uh, 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 Kiprios. Kiprios in in Madison Square Gardens, I, I believe the night or, or yeah the, the night before, or at least that week or something. Mm. And this was the first game I played against them. Um, you know, I might have played against them in Chicago when I was with the Flames, like possibly I don't remember. Mm-hmm. But this is the first time I played against them in the rivalry, and I was I was a little little worried about him to tell you the truth I know he's not a huge guy or anything but I thought geez he knocked out Kiprios pretty well yeah <laughs> I better watch myself here um, also had a very good fight with Denny Lambert do you remember that one at the Coliseum yeah yeah definitely I think that was with he was with Ottawa yeah and, uh, you know we had, we had fought in the minors before and he, he's a tough guy and not a huge guy but he he's another guy that'll you know do anything to kind of stay in the NHL, I mean, he had a short career, but he he, he fought for every square inch he got. And, you know, another guy I respect, and you know, and, and, and that was a good fight. And I remember he, you know, was a, was back and forth, and you know, and it, it was just a good fight. In the game against Florida, you remember the hit you laid on Rhett Warner, where he went uh, head over heels? Oh yeah, I played in Buffalo with him a few years later, and then he lives in Calgary here, so there's not too many days that I go by that I don't hear about it. Yeah. <laughs> He's well, on the radio here, and uh, well, he was. He, he, he's not on it anymore, but uh, he had his own radio show here for years. But yeah, I, I remember going to hit him behind the net, and he kind of went low, and and it, it, it kind of gave me a bit of a Charlie horse. So, uh, the exact same game, same 
play behind the net. Um, I decided to go low on him, and he went right over me and landed on his head and knocked himself out. Yeah. I knocked him out. And he got a pretty bad concussion, which I do feel bad about. But uh, um, definitely I had a lot of guys chasing me around the ice after that. Um, after that, uh, after that fiasco. Yeah, you fought uh, Melanby and uh, Jovo that night. Yeah, Melanby came after me just in pure uh, response to the hit. Um, you know, great player, fairly tough. But, I mean, I, I thought I got the better of them. Yeah, definitely. I guess they weren't satisfied with that. And I, I mean, Paul Laos was on that team, and you know how he was. He was he was one of the premier you know fighters in the league at that time as well. Yeah. And and Jovo came after me. I was just pure respect for Rhett, which you know he was a good team guy. Yeah. Um, both of Warner, so I mean, just out of respect for them. So the only thing I was I was mad about is Jovo got me a pretty good one when I was down on the ice. That really pissed me off. <laughs> yes, I can tell. Although I think he did your favor because not that I'm looking to fight either one of them, but I guess if I had to fight one of them, Jovo or Paul Laws, I think I'd fight Jovo. Yeah, yeah, I. I, I I fought Lowe's two or three times, and I, I I think I might have tied him once. That was a, that was a big success. Yeah, he's <laughs> he was very underrated, really super tough. Yeah. So I can't wait to ask you this question. So I don't know if you remember, you played a game in Pittsburgh that you fought Chris Tamer. Do you think that Tamer went after you because you were lighting it up that night, and they didn't want you to get a hat trick? <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I, I I don't know about that. I mean. I don't know. I fought him in Calgary before too, so I mean, I don't know. He's, we just don't like each other. Yeah. So I, I highly doubt he was trying to get me off the ice because I was lighting it up. But, um, but that game, I do, I do remember that game. I had two goals, and they put me out with an empty netter, and I was so excited to get that empty netter, and I ended up pulling my, my uh, hip flexor because I was going after the puck so hard. Oh no! <laughs> missing a couple games. Uh, but I still remember that game. It was February second, and I—that uh, was my daughter's birthday. That was the day she turned two. So nice. two goals on her birthday. You know, it was it was uh, it was a great day. Well, also you may not remember this though. Before the empty net, you almost had the hat trick, and Brian Smolinski actually scored on a pass that would have definitely hit you. And the way you were going, I mean that. That a couple of weeks run that you were on, where everything you touched went in the net, and if Smolinski doesn't take that pass, I'm willing to bet my life you score that hat trick. Oh yeah, I can see it still. I mean, I don't, I don't, I, I forget, I forgot a lot of things, but I, I still remember that game very well. So yeah, I was so pumped and that, but uh, but I was just happy to be out there playing, and you know, I was getting a regular shift that game because of a few injuries, and you know, it was just fun to play, and. Uh, Later that season, you fought a guy who you eventually played with, uh, Rob Ray, fought him in Buffalo, and the thing with that fight is it, it seemed like you both landed huge a huge bomb each to each other at the same time. Do you remember that? Oh, yeah, for sure, yeah. I mean, I, I've you know, played against Razor many times, and, you know, I, like we talked about I had fought me. Um, you know, I, I, Barnaby was always a thorn in my side I was you know just like everybody we all wanted to kill him yeah chasing around Barnaby all the time <laughs> yeah um, but uh, yeah no me and Razor ended up fighting that night and we, yeah that's right we did land and I, I you know it was, it was a good fight and you know and I remember hitting him pretty well and hurting my hand that you know and um, I was in the pelling box and I thought I broke my hand and had 
know, the ice bucket in there. Jeez, that thing throbbed forever. But uh, I think it was about two weeks later, or about a week later, we were playing in the island, and something had happened, and I went over to the bench and said something, and Ray said to me, he goes, I thought you had a bad hand, and I, I still remember saying, well, I got one more. <laughs> I got traded a week later. Yeah. And, and then we were laughing about that about a week later or two weeks later or whatever it was so it was it was pretty funny but I, I made the whole bench laugh anyhow so I had rough to laugh and ended up, ended up getting traded there you know in a short time yeah and that the, the you're talking about your hand the uh, the camera actually stayed on you in the penalty box and it looked like they gave you this little ice ice bag and it didn't probably didn't even cover two knuckles let's say and it just <laughs> you're, you're calling for the ice pack and then they show the trainer on the bench has the ice but it, I didn't know if it ever got to you, so yeah, that's the life of a hockey player in the nineties. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> just the guys holding the ice bag and uh, Ed Westfall saying, "Oh, Cruz is hurt. He's hurt." You know, I didn't really care for Eddie as a as an announcer because he always uh, he always kind of not put down the fighters as people, but he would always uh, was just constantly, "Why are they fighting? Why this? Why that?" Meanwhile, the guy made his living playing on the Bruins and the Island, the early Islanders, which are two of the tougher teams. But uh, yeah. but I remember that because it just seemed like they kept the camera on you after that fight in the box, and I'm like, get him an ice bag already. Yeah, I know for sure. <laughs> yeah, your um, your last fight with the Islanders was actually against Calgary in Calgary against Jamie Allison. Yeah, yeah, and that was kind of you know I, I I know Jamie and I felt bad, but I mean we're all west, and you know that's when Milbury had let Bonus go yeah. and. You know, he he came on as an interim coach, and you know, I, you know, I, I, you know, before we went on the Western swing, I was a healthy scratch. Uh, you know, a few games, and you know, I asked him what's going on, and you know, the one time I did approach him was on the ice, and he told me that I was, you know, a, a 14 uh, forward on the team right at the time, um, which you know we only dressed, you know, 12 as you know. Yeah. So I, you know, so I, I didn't like my chances of going forward with Mike behind the bench, so. Anyhow, we were out west, and you know, I, I think I only got three shifts that night in Calgary. So I just, you know, after the first shift, I was like, or I think it was about second or third period. I said, I just got to go and try to do something, just try to get traded, or try to, you know, fight for my ice or fight for something. And you know, so I went after Jamie, and you know, which is unfortunate. Anyway, he's a tough guy, and it was a good fight, and you know, it was it was fair, and you know, there was no surprises there. Was, and it seemed like an earlier shift you guys had had words and then you uh, you maybe set something up for later in the game. Yeah, for sure. I mean, like I said, I only got a few shifts that game and I was just trying to start anything. You know, and Sandy was still there, but we were such good buddies. I mean, I would have fought him too, but I mean, you know, I, you know, I don't know. We, I was just trying to stir it up, trying to get anything going at that time. And, uh, you know, Jamie wasn't really on the team when I played here a lot, so yeah. I didn't know ton but I, I didn't know him a bit I knew he was tough I, you know he had some and you know and, and uh, I respected him a lot well plus it you know in a way you know back when uh, when this happened it was uh, you know Jamie's a tough defenseman he could play he could fight and for him it looks good because he's fighting a guy that used to play in Calgary an established fighter uh, and he didn't take a backward step so um, it's good for him to, to do something like that also it's a good showing for him yeah, for sure. And like I said, I was I was frustrated too. I mean, I you go to your old, 
you know, stomping grounds, you know, where you started your career and played, you know, many games and, you know, and then I, I only got a couple shifts that night. Literally, I think it was three or two or three or four shifts um, the whole night. So it was, it was a pretty frustrating night. So, I mean, it was a little bit of frustration as well. Um, so you, you had mentioned about asking uh, Milbury for a trade. And one of the things I, I say to people is, you know, over the course of my time where I get to know you guys a lot, uh, most of the guys who do this job are very humble guys, very personable guys. And I think part of the reason why I defend you guys really to the death is because of the people that you are. And one of the guys that I met uh, who is an unbelievably nice person and he just is, you know, salt of the earth, good guy, and very soft-spoken, very mellow. Is a guy you played with for a little bit on the Islanders named Mark Jansen. And Mark Jansen's also requested a trade. And I'm thinking, well, one of the things I say is, I, Mark Jansen's once got his teeth knocked out and his jaw busted in a game in the Western League against Kevin Kaminsky. And I remember having on video when they interviewed him about it, like, he wasn't even mad. Like, he'd just go, he'd just say, well, it's part of the game. And, you know, like, he just was that kind of mellow individual. And I just feel like that's probably how Mark lives his life. He's probably just a mellow guy and does what he has to do and, you know, just appreciates life. And I'm thinking, you know, a guy like you, you know, you're a mellow guy, you're a soft-spoken guy, and a guy like Mark Jansen, same thing. For both of you guys to ask for a trade, and especially the, the role that you guys both play, with a guy like Milbury, who was allegedly a physical player, to me that says something. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, uh, you know, Mark uh, Jansen's an awesome guy, awesome teammate, you know, one of the best. And like you said, very very soft-spoken, but, you know, he, he would battle for anybody any time. Yeah, so, I mean, it, it, there, was, there was a few of us that were frustrated in the island. I mean, obviously we were going through the ownership problems, and, you know, and Milbury was not like you said, approachable. I mean, he wasn't, you know, we had no identity, like I mentioned earlier, and it, it, it was frustrating. And, you know, definitely, you know, he wasn't playing as much as he thought he should play as well. And, um, you know, we were both sitting on the bench just kind of looking at each other and where's, you know, where's, where are we going next with this? Um, so, you know, it, you know, we're just trying to, you know, look to the future and, and, and maybe get a fresh start. You know, it's always hard to ask for a trade, um, you know, you know, especially coming from, you get to know the, your teammates so well, and you know it's the last thing you want to do, but sometimes it's the best thing to do. I uh, I love Mark. Uh, you know, he's confirmed he'll be a guest on the show at some point. And um, you know, for me as a fan, you know, when when the team gets guys, you know, like I said, uh, I had known you in Calgary, and uh, I'd met Mark with the Rangers, and when your favorite team adds guys like you character players and everything for for me it's just the greatest thing and then on the same day um you know like back then that was like 100 percent into the game and i you know trade deadline day was always a big day for me just worrying about who are they gonna who are they gonna bring in who are they gonna let go and the same day it's like all right paul cruz is gone all right mark jansen's is gone and i'm like what the hell is going on here like i just Oh, he drove me crazy. Mulberry drove me crazy as a fan on more than one occasion, and that was just one of those days for me. And obviously, I'm sitting here telling a guy who your life is, your life changes because you're living here, and then now you got to live somewhere else. And I'm just basically saying how it affects me. But you know, just speaking from a fan's point of view, 
uh, he was very frustrating for me. Yeah, no, for sure. And I, I, I still remember the day I got traded. Uh, you know, we were in Vancouver, and I went out for breakfast, and Richie Pilon said to me, he goes, uh, um, he goes, hey, you got traded today this morning. And I go, what? What are you talking about? And I, I was in Vancouver, so my family's all from there, so I had all these tickets purchased. And he goes, you got traded. And I go, no, I never. And he goes, yeah, you got traded to Buffalo. And I was like, no. And he goes, yeah. And he, so I, you know, I went upstairs, you know, and looked for my, you know, back then we didn't really all carry cell phones, you know, to a degree. But uh, I went up and looked at uh, my phone and it wasn't blinking. So I was like, yeah, you know, you know, he's he's giving me a hard time. So I went downstairs and I was looking around for anybody I could see. Anyway, so we had a pregame skate that morning, but it was optional. Um, so I, me and Buddy, um, took a cab down there and I was, I walk in the room and, uh, um, you know, there was only a handful of guys getting dressed and I said, uh, I think it was, I think it was the bonus or not bonus. He had got let go, but to, uh, Sharon, I believe I said, did I get traded? And he goes, I don't know. And, uh, I go, well, who, who knows if, who got traded? And, uh, when actually Pilon, sorry to back the story up, he mentioned that Jansen's and, uh, Jason Holland had also got traded and uh, anyhow when I got to the rink um, you know those guys were getting ready you know Jansons and, and Holland were getting ready to go on the ice and I go you guys got traded too and like no we never and then just then we were looking at the ticker on the on the TV and it went by on the ticker and it said all the trades that had happened and so I said to Sharon I go I think I got traded like I'm not going out skate he goes well I, I don't know what to tell you so um, so anyhow um Jansen and, and Holland didn't know what to do, so they took their stuff off. <laughs> yeah. We all went back to the hotel, and there was still a, no message from uh, Millbury. Um, and so, anyhow, uh, the phone finally rang, and I, I answered it. It was uh, Buffalo, and Buffalo said, "Hey, we traded for you, and we're uh, you're you're in the lineup tonight in Calgary." Nice. Um, they were just starting their Western swing, so. I was like, okay, and they, they had me a flight for I think like five o'clock or four o'clock, so I, I got on a flight, so I never did talk to anybody. Um, I never talked to Millbury or anybody there. No, nobody ever told me I got traded. I, I, Buffalo told me I, I got traded, so it was kind of a weird weird exit for sure. It's, it's a weird exit, yet it's at the time the most Islander way to be traded. Get traded and they don't tell you. Yeah, it was a little, little frustrating. I wasn't too happy about it. <laughs> but at least, sure. at least you're out of there. You know, at least you're out of there. I was sorry to see you go for sure, and, and Mark as well that day. But uh, I mean, I'm always happy for uh, for you guys when you get out of a situation that isn't great for your career. And uh, you went to a place, Buffalo, like you say, um, you step in, and Buffalo always plays uh, blue collar style. They always have guys that play physical, and you stepped in, and you, your teammates with Robert who you fought a couple of weeks before that and Matt Barnaby who you said drove you crazy all the time and uh, another guy who I think is tremendous and very underrated as a player Bob Bugner uh, how'd you uh, how is it for a guy now you're an established NHL guy at that time but you are going into a new team so how does that dynamic work um you know I was ecstatic I mean like you said yeah it, it was hard to leave I mean besides you know leaving Millbury and 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 a few few of the staff but I mean like to leave your teammates and you know some friends that I met like yourself and 
in the city, and you know, you have a family. I had kids that I had to uproot and move, right? So I mean, it, it was it was frustrating to leave there, but again, you get a fresh start, just like I did with the Islanders, you know, uh, three years before that or two years. Um, plus, Buffalo was playing well, and they also had Hassett. So I mean, um, I was ecstatic to go in there. Um, you know, a, a team pushing for the playoffs hard and and to have such a legendary goalie. Um, you know, it was awesome. So I mean, it, it, it was fun to go in there, and you know, and, and we had a lot of success the time I was there. So it made it a lot more fun. So, do you at any point do you tell Barnaby that? Oh, I'm sure if you did, you weren't the only one. Man, I really wanted to beat the shit out of you. Well, there's a lineup of guys, but uh, you know, he's a character. I mean, I yeah, I still talk to him once in a while. And he makes me laugh. I mean. He, he would just drive everybody nuts, but mm-hmm. that, that was his role, and that's who he was. And I seen some funny things that year. I mean, him and Rob Ray fought, I think, three times. Uh, once on the bus, once at practice, and I think once in the dressing room. And you know that it, it, it was just hilarious that these guys, you know, you know, he never tested my nerves too bad off the ice. Yeah, um, which is probably a good thing. But I mean, playing against was frustrating, but. Playing with him was 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 quite comical, um, you know. At times, I mean, it could be troublesome, uh, you know. At other times, uh, but but it, definitely an entertainer. I, I will give Barnaby all the credit in the world because he was not a big guy and he would fight anybody. And he he owns the player that he is. Where I think a lot of guys that play that role, uh, they don't necessarily own it. And uh, I don't think uh, I've never heard Barnaby ever feel sorry for himself or any if he took any beatings or anything. And uh, he absolutely owns the player he was, and I think he relished the player that he was. And you know, for someone like me, I I respect the guy a ton. No, for sure. Yeah, he's a great player. Like he, you know, he scored twenty goals. I think both years I was there, and and you know, and he he'd scrap too. I mean, you know, on certain occasions. I mean. Uh, you know, he, he's more, mostly an agitator yeah. uh, to a degree to, you know, create penalties, but I mean, he would also stick his nose in there when he had to as well, like you said, so I mean, he, he took some beatings, but he, uh, he hung in there. Yeah. So, uh, following season now, uh, 98-99, that's your, um, you play a full season in Buffalo, so uh, what's that, uh, what's that training camp like? Now, there's no... You know, guys like Razor and, and Barney, those guys are all established, so it's not like you guys are fighting for jobs in training camp, but what, uh, I know there were some young guys like Grand Pierre and, uh, and uh, Ender were there. Uh, what's that training camp like? Um, you know, they, because we went so far, like, we went so far that year, we, we were in the Western or Eastern final story with uh, Washington, and, you know, that, that season dragged on for, for quite some time, so... We actually had our training camp over in Austria, and we went over there, and we played Tampa, I think, twice over there, mm-hmm. and, you know, we had a lot of practices over there, so, you know, they weren't really, you know, we didn't have a lot of inter-squad games or, or, or anything like that, I mean, it was it, it was pretty mellow, actually, it was kind of nice to have a, a, you know, and we were allowed to bring our family, which is, even, you know, great, we spent about 10 days over there. Nice. So, yeah, so it, it was quite enjoyable, actually. So that season, and I guess it's good, you know, like uh, we discussed when you were with Calgary with Sandy and Ronnie Stern and uh, at various points with the Islanders with uh, Belanger, uh, to have guys like Ray and, and Barnaby, uh, 
you know, I guess Ray doing a lot of the heavy lifting with you there. Um, you had a fight with a kid named Mark Vicio in L.A. that you did very well in. Do you remember that one? Um, yeah, I, I think so. Is that, it was either a really tall guy? Yes, yeah, yeah. big defenseman. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I wasn't sure if it was me or Ray that fought him. So. <laughs> no, it was you. It was you. Yeah. Um, I don't remember that one, obviously, uh, to a degree. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I remember that name, though, for sure. Uh, yeah, I don't remember that one, though. I think, you know, he's a guy that, you know, um, I never met him, but I respect him a ton because he's one of those guys that played a ton of games in the minors, and then someone yeah. gave him a chance, and he played some games in L.A., and... Um, I think he eventually ended up back in the IHL, but, uh, you know, I always feel good for guys who, who break their ass in the minors and then get a season or two in the NHL and, uh, you know, get acknowledged by somebody, and he's one of those guys. Yeah, no, yeah, and I, I apologize, no disrespect to him, I just don't recall the fight, but, I mean, I do know the name, and I, I remember seeing him play. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and I definitely uh, put my, my time in the minors as well, so I appreciate, you know, players like that for sure. Well, one guy who I know you're going to remember uh, was your first fight with him uh, from, you're in Buffalo, he's on the island, and he's a monster, is Eric Cairns, and uh, that was your, you fought him twice, first time you fought him uh, was this season, 98-99 up in Buffalo, uh, do you remember that one? Yeah, for sure, I, I can't remember what went on, but there was something going on, and, and you know, I, I didn't know much about him, I, I played against him a, a couple times, Um I believe he was with the Rangers before that. Yeah. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, so I, I played against him, but I never had scrapped him. And, you know, something had happened, and, and I remember, you know, uh, us meeting up right in front of our bench there, and, and the gloves came off, and uh, he's such a big man. Yeah. I, I was having trouble reaching him, actually. Uh, you know, and that's, that's something I noticed later in my career. When I started my career, I was kind of a bigger fella. Now, then in my career, I was, I, I was getting smaller all the time with some of these guys. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. Kearns is definitely one of those guys, and, you know, I, I, I remember hitting him once pretty good, but, I mean, I couldn't reach him for uh, for many punches after that. Yeah, you definitely landed one good shot. Kearns is um, one of the few things that Milbury did right. You know, he was uh, kind of an up-and-down guy with the Rangers, and um, they put him on waivers. And I guess it's similar to you where you were saying where you can uh, go – you'll get sent up and down and after a while you have to be subjected to waivers and he had to go through waivers and, and the Islanders claimed him and uh, I was just ecstatic because I knew the potential that he had and um, he's a great guy and not only I mean he really the big knock on him with the Rangers as far as a fighter goes was that he didn't use his uh, his size in terms of like the length of his arms and at some point he you know, I don't know if it's just that you grow into your when you're that big. I mean, I'm not that big, so I don't know. But I guess at some point you grow into your body and you learn how to use it. And uh, the reason why I love him so much is, I mean, he's a tremendous person. But uh, he grew into a, a, one of the best fighters during his time. But you know what else was? They gave him a chance to play, and he became a top six defenseman. And I think everything kind of came together for him here with the team where. Uh, he was getting regular minutes, you know, regular defensive minutes, and he was playing and all. You know, he wasn't playing power play, but you know, he was playing regular top six minutes, and he was just killing guys when he would fight. So, um, yeah. you know, I, I love the guy. So uh, I, I give credit to anyone that fights him because, like, say he's so big, and you know, and, and uh, a year or two after that is, I think, when he really just developed into the killer. 
Yeah, and plus he, he, he beat the hell out of Corson, so I was a fan too, of course. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't, uh, I, that was one of the, you know, I mean, the guy that we mentioned already, Jim Cummins, he was with the Islanders uh, during that playoff run, and, you know, one of the things that we talked about already was Chicago Stadium, and I know Jimmy told me that uh, during that series against Toronto at the Coliseum, it's as loud a building as he's ever been in, and, you know, I think that really was one of the, one of the series with Toronto that uh, people on the island today Obviously, everyone still hates the Rangers, but Toronto was right up there. I mean, obviously, yeah. the Tavares thing uh, two seasons ago uh, fueled that rivalry too. But that playoff series yeah. with Toronto was unbelievable, and uh, what he did to Corson. I mean, you know how I am. I'm on the phone the next day with all my connections in Toronto, saying, "I need you to send me some of these newspapers because I had seen it was on the <laughs> front page." So uh, I'm like, "Send me some copies of the newspapers. I need that." That was just uh, that was tremendous. So I'm with you on that one for sure. Yeah, and I can tell he's a deep player too, for uh, sure. Just a great guy. He actually still works with the team in player development. So, uh, oh. so yeah, he's still here. So, um, so as someone now, you're you're with the team, and you talked about uh, Hashik and everything. So this is the season the team actually went to the finals. So um, you had been a part of uh, a team back in Kamloops where you played in the Memorial Cup as a as a kid, and now as a veteran NHL, you're playing uh, in the NHL finals. So. Um, what is that? What's that feeling like? Where you just you're going on this tremendous run? How's that going? Um, yeah, it was it, it was awesome. I mean, we I got a taste of it the year before in the in the Eastern Final with Washington, and unfortunately we lost. And you know, and you know, I think we grew as a team, and you know, we had that core, we had the camaraderie, uh, we had the goaltending, obviously. Um, you know, it, it was just fun hockey because when you're winning, everything's fun. And, you know, we were having a blast and, you know, it just got contagious and, you know, we, we, you know, we smoked out Ottawa in the first round and um, I think we ended Boston the second round and then to beat Toronto in Toronto um, to go to the final was probably one of the highlights of my life. That bus ride was the best thing ever, uh, you know, just having fun, calling people, drinking beer, you know, just, just awesome. So it, it was such a good time. Was... Uh what was that? That was the Brett Hall in the crease, right? The skate in the crease in the finals? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that was in Buffalo game six, I believe. Yeah, it was a healthy scratch. I only played the one game in the final, mm-hmm. uh, my second game, and uh, and then uh, never played. But I was in the dressing room watching it, and they were calling that in the crease so closely. It drove me crazy. Yeah. I drove all of us crazy. And, you know, when they scored, you know, we got the highlight in the dressing room and we ran out to tell Lindy Ruff, you know, he was in the crease. Yeah. And, uh, you know, but by that time they had already had the Stanley Cup out of the ice and, yeah. uh, you know, high-fiving themselves. So, you know, it was very, very discouraging and disappointing to see that. But, you know, it's it, we still had to win that game and game seven. You know, not to say that, you know, put a downer on it, but, I mean, they're – we definitely had a chance. We had a good enough team to win the Stanley Cup that year, for sure. Well, I, I mean, Hoshik gives any team a chance. I mean, especially, uh, you know, with Buffalo, one of the greatest goalies ever. Yeah, for sure. My plus-minus sure, sure went better when I got there. <laughs> <laughs> so um, so the following season, again, start with Buffalo. Um, only because of his Islander ties, I have to ask you if you remember the fight you had with Eric Bolton in training camp. Well, yeah, for sure, yeah. Um, Eric, yeah, no, he, uh, I, I remember that, that year he came up and, um, you know, he's a gamer. Obviously, he played a long career. I don't know yeah. how many 
like, geez, almost 15 years or more. And, uh, no, he, he made no, you know, he, he came right after me and, you know, he was just trying to prove himself like I would have done, you know, back when I was trying to make it. And, you know, he's the young guy, I was the old guy. And, you know, he, he came after me, you know, it was, you know, it was fair. Um, you know, he was pretty hyped up. Um, definitely, uh, you know, I, I thought I got a, a little bit of the better of him. I mean, and that provoked uh, him to come after me again, and you know, to, to come after me again for a second time, which, you know, I just told him to go away, and he wouldn't go away, so I actually speared him in the gut, which oh. is uncharacteristic of me. You know, if it was regular season, I probably wouldn't have done that, right? And, right. You know, but I, but I proved my point, and, you know, I, I, I didn't, you know, think I had to, to do it again, and I apologized to him after, you know, I, you know, he was in the organization, and, you know, he's a, he's a good guy, obviously. He's, he was around for a long time for a reason, so he was just trying to make his mark, and, uh, and uh, you know, so it was a good battle. And I'm sure if you asked him now, being that, you know, he went through, you know, many years playing in the NHL, he'd probably say, I would have done the same thing. I would have speared me in the gut the same exact way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure, he, especially when there's, when there's no refs around and there's no penalties. I mean, I, um, you know, I can... You can you can do what you want, kind of want. Not that I was trying to hurt him or anything. I was just trying to trying to make my point. But yeah, definitely. I mean, um, it, it definitely changes as you get older. I mean, you know, I don't mind. I was up for the challenge once, but not the second time. So, how you played eleven games in Buffalo, and then you find yourself playing in Utah. Now, um, both AHL team is is Rochester, and uh, how did you end up? We was it a demotion and. Did they give you the option of Utah? How did that happen? Uh, you know what? I I, I kind of got me by surprise is they told me I was sent to Rochester and I had 48 hours to clear waivers. So, I mean, I... Hello? at that time so anyhow I uh, I never got picked up so I guess I got sent to Rochester and uh, you know just down the road so I went down there um, you know for a practice and I realized they actually had a game that night and uh, you know so I I drove all the way back to Buffalo and the game was in uh, in um, Hamilton so they actually picked me up in Buffalo uh, as they had to go through uh, Buffalo and uh, I went to the game but that afternoon, I had talked to uh, Dean Chenault, another former yeah. Islander, Calgary guy, and uh, you know I knew him. And uh, my wife's from Salt Lake City, and I had some ties there from my first minor league career. And, you know, and mm -hmm. uh, I knew he was gen assistant general manager there. So to Bob Bourne, another mm -hmm. famous actor. Yeah. Um, so you know, I called D uh, Dean Chenault, Jenny up, and said. You know, I got sent down. Is there? I don't really want to go to the American League. Is there any way you can get me to the into the eye um, to Salt Lake? And he said, "Let me make some calls." And he had called, um, I guess, you know, you know, the organization in, in Buffalo and bought part of my contract out. Okay, uh, that's how I was sent to the or to uh, Salt Lake again. Yeah, second well, goal. And Dean Schnauth, friend of the show, another guy who is confirmed to be a guest later on. Uh, I imagine when Carolina comes in, we'll uh, we'll get him on the show. Great guy. So uh, no surprise there that he did what he had to do to get you on the team. Um, so that year, you actually did play with Mick Lakota. 
Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I got reunited with him. Uh, took it took four years to get back to him, but uh, um, but yeah, no, we we had a lot of fun. I mean, we were an independent team in Salt Lake City. We didn't have really any affiliation with uh, any NHL team, so we we kind of you know we had a bit of an older team, and like I said, we had Bobby Bourne and, and Chinoweth, and um, you know it, we had a lot of fun. I mean. We, we played hard and you know a lot of us knew that we were it was kind of maybe our last stop and you know so we definitely wanted to have some fun with it and we did all right we actually won quite a few games and it, it was it was fun i got to play a regular shift again and get some ice time and uh and really enjoyed it so there's two fights in particular i want to ask you about from that season one probably the i mean not all of them were I had on video, but one I did have on video was against Mel Engelstad of uh, Michigan, uh, which was a tremendous fight. Do you remember that one? Um, I had fought him a couple times. I mean, actually, the first game I got to Salt Lake, and I got there late, and I barely made warm up, and I didn't know who I, I heard about Mel Engelstad. I didn't really know his kind of reputation. Yeah. Um, and the first game I got out there, we lined up, and he asked me to fight. And I said, I, did, I don't even know where I am right now. <laughs> um, but I I had a hard time refusing. So we ended up fighting. And it, it, it was a fair fight. I mean, it was not a toe-to-toe -to -toe kind of thing. It was kind of a few punches traded and then a tie-up. And then that was kind of it. So, um, but, uh, yeah, the next year we actually got after it pretty hard and beat, our, beat ourselves up pretty good. Yeah. And then... Uh you also fought a, another former NHL guy uh, that played for Kansas City, Doty Wood, that year with Utah. Do you remember that one? Yeah, Doty. Doty's a gamer. I mean, not a great big guy, but I mean, he he loves to fight that guy, and you know he he just loved causing problems. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. He he came after me, and, and you know, he, he, like I said, he's a gamer, and you know, he, he ended up playing a few quite a few NHL games, and because he is a gamer. Yeah. And, and you know, in, in all respect to him, yeah, and I ended up fighting him a few more times over in Europe, actually, mm -hmm. places. I mean, but yeah, he definitely, he'd always come after me. So I mean, uh, which is, I don't know if it's a compliment or if it's a slap in the face. <laughs> well, maybe, maybe uh, you know, iron sharpens iron, right? So yeah, <laughs> yeah, for sure. The next season, uh, you signed with San Jose. How did that come about? Yeah, they they just went through. Uh, they had lost um, their whole fourth line. Um, you know, they lost Stern to, he had career-ending back surgery. Um, I think it was Ronnie Sutter ended up in Calgary, and Dave Lowry ended up in Calgary. Okay. So they had just lost their whole fourth line. Um, I contemplated signing with Dallas, because uh, Hitchcock was in Dallas, mm -hmm. uh, with my ties from Kamloops. Um, you know, but with, you know, with, with San Jose losing their whole fourth line, I thought that might have been the best fit for me. Um, but when I got there, I didn't know they had a lot of a really deep farm team. Mm -hmm. um, so when I got there, Daryl Sutter was the coach, and you know I, I I played all the preseason games mostly, and you know it went pretty well. And things were going well, and they actually told me to find a place because uh, Owen Nolan was going to have back surgery that year as well, um, and then he decided he was going to wait till the summer. And that was kind of, I was the odd guy out, so I got sent down. I was supposed to go to Kentucky in the AHL, yeah, and I got loaned to Chicago Wolves in the IHL. That was um, did you ask for that? I mean, I, I think at a certain point, 
a guy that has as many games in the league as you did, uh, you know, was it a, a choice? Did they give you a choice? Because I didn't think, I doubt you wanted to go down to the American League. Uh, IHL is probably more suited for someone in your position, no? Yeah, for sure. No, it was, it was something that you know when I signed the, you know, a, a deal with uh, with San Jose, that the terms were that I I would go to Chicago and Chevrolet off was there at the time. Yeah, and and uh, you know I I spoke to him and he said that he would take me, um, and that that um, that would work out. So I mean uh, that was you know the deal that we worked out. So unfortunately I would have rather been in San Jose, but uh, but I mean. Uh, I got traded. It went back to Chicago or back to the high, and Chicago was independent as well. And uh, you know, they they had some older players like myself that they can relate to the situation I was in. Yeah. Uh, do you remember the fight you had with Jim Cummins in the exhibition season that year? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, and I, I you know, I talked to Jim a few times, and you know, we're on the ice. I, I believe he was in Anaheim, and I was in San Jose. Yeah. Um, you know, we were up in in Anaheim and I asked him to fight and he's like why do you want to fight and I just said I'm trying to make a team yeah <laughs> and you know the the guy he is he he, he honored it yeah and you know we had a good fight actually um you know it was probably the third or fourth time we fought in our career but it, you know he honored it and I respect him for that because uh, he gave me that chance to prove myself and you know in front of the staff and and, and probably make the team but you know if it weren't for uh, uh, the Nolan situation or a few other things and you spent uh i mean you basically spent the whole season down in chicago but you did get recalled for a game against st louis and uh do you remember the fight you had with reed low yeah for sure it was the reeds um reed low and reed uh simpson were in yeah you know there, there was a bit of a rivalry uh, with st louis and uh and san jose um in the past there was some bad blood and uh you know, so I, I got called up, and I remember watching pregame skate, and, uh, you know, and, and Reed Simpson, I, I, you know, I fought him in junior and, yeah. and in the pros, you know, and I'm sitting on the bench, and he comes over, he goes, he goes, uh, they call you up to fight me or the other guy? And I said, <laughs> I don't know. I go, maybe both. And then uh, he, he was kind of chuckled about it. Yeah. And, uh, first shift, uh, maybe, I think it was first shift or maybe second shift. Reed Lowe was on my wing, so... He actually asked me to fight, which was fine. I, you know, I wanted to prove myself, maybe try to get back into the league. Yeah. Um, yeah. He doesn't like to. He didn't like to throw toe to toe, which I would have preferred. I mean, uh, but he, you know, I, you know, once once he had me tied up, I tied him up. Yeah. It wasn't really a, a fabulous fight by any means, but um, but anyway, it was good to be back in the NHL and have that feeling again. Did um, when you got called up was. Did you know it was just going to be for the one game, or, or uh, did they give you any impression where it might be for longer? No, they had a few injuries. I mean, I, I can't particularly remember who they were, but they were probably third or fourth line players. and They just had a few injuries, so they had me up there, and they didn't give me any indication. That was a healthy scratch for the next two, and uh, so then I was sent down um, after those two. So I was up for about three games and played one, and uh, like I said, it was it's all about guys being healthy or you know players of certain standards going down uh for me to stick around and you know that just didn't happen all year and then but uh but it was great to back and, and, and to have uh have some fun and when you went back to chicago and chicago always had pretty good teams like say chevy is uh, uh to me is one of the top executives he knows how to put a team together 
And uh, that was the season you actually made it to the finals, right, against Orlando? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was a great team, great, great. You know, like I said, we had an older team. We had, you know, obviously well-managed and coached. And, um, you know, it, it was fun. I mean, we, you know, uh, we made it all the way to the final. Where, you know, we should have probably won that. But, I mean, I'm getting tired of coming in second <laughs> as you can tell from these conversations. But, <laughs> um, but uh, you know, it, it, it was fun a game, too. And, you know, we had a great group. And, you know, it was, it was kind of a good way to go out. Right. So um, what led to your decision to go play overseas? Uh, you know, I, when you know, kind of when I got sent down here and, you know, out of Buffalo, out of the NHL, it was kind of the year they added the second referee. And, you know, teams were cutting back on their physical players. And, uh, you, you know, I, I didn't think I was going to get another chance at the NHL. And that was the year the AHL and the IHL, uh, you know, merged. Yeah. And that's when they have, um, you know, the development rule came into play that you can only address so many players that have so many games. And, you know, at that point in my career, I was, you know, I, I had games, lots of games in the minors, lots of games in the NHL. You know, I was kind of, you know, I would have been taking a young kid's spot. Yeah. So my phone wasn't ringing off, though, that's for sure. And, you know, I had some buddies that went over to Europe. And, you know, uh, Brad Lauer, another former um, Islander. Yeah. He's coaching the he's coaching the Edmonton Oil Kings now in the WHL. He uh, he went over as kind of a player assistant type thing and uh, over in England. And you know, I'd played with him in Salt Lake that year, the year before two years before that. And um, he was you know, he kept calling me saying, Come over to England I was like, I'm not going to England to play hockey. Yeah. And uh, he goes, I'll give you till a certain date. If nobody calls you you're gonna come and I'm like, Maybe and <laughs> sure I was many phone calls, and I was supposed to fly out, and uh, and then it ended up being. I remember that day; it's a horrible day for New York and for the world. Is was actually September 11th. Oh, okay, okay. The day of the disaster there that you guys experienced. Uh, yeah. You know, well, we all experienced, yeah. even in Canada. Yeah. Um, you know, so it was a horrible day. So I was postponed, and then I I, I went over. Um, I believe the next day or a few days later. Um, you know, I had a blast over there. I mean, it, all the players were, you know, North American, um, uh, you know, based. Um, you know, and some had ancestry stamps from playing there. So, I, you know, so it was all Canadians or Americans, and uh, great group of guys. A lot of fun. You played with. Uh, you may not know this, but one of the guys you played with was uh, Peter Le Boutillier. Uh He was. Uh, drafted twice. The first time was by the Islanders. I don't know if you knew that. Um, yeah, I, I, I didn't know actually he was drafted by the Islanders. Actually, I didn't know that, but I knew he was in Anaheim when yeah. I was with Calgary, I believe, or something. Uh, or uh, yeah, yeah, maybe it was Anaheim. Yeah, yeah so I, I remember. I didn't know he was drafted by Islanders. I didn't know that. Yeah, but yeah, a great guy too. I mean, he, he, he was awesome. He, I got along really well with him. Yeah, he was. Uh, I think it was one of those situations where I, I think he was picked by the Islanders, and then I think what do you have two years to sign, and then if you don't sign, you go back into the draft. And uh, I think they they drafted him, and then they didn't sign him, and I think he went back and was picked by Anaheim. So uh, you know, with the Islander ties, I have to bring that up. So uh, yeah, one of the sure. one of the guys you fought, who later became a teammate, is one of the uh, guys in the the league. There it seemed like. Uh, guy like Mike Ware, he was there already. And then uh, Paxton Schulte, he went there. And then 
a bunch of guys eventually went over there where the league was, you know, just ripe with uh, North American players. But Paxton Schulte was one of the bigger names over there, and you fought him. And uh, I only saw a clip of it, but it looked like a pretty good fight. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I, I actually, I, I, I remember Paxton from, he was with Calgary's organization as well. Yeah. And I, you know, I, he was at camp here, and, um, you know, he, he ended up playing in the minors, I believe, for Calgary system. And, um, yeah, I, I, I was in Sheffield in the middle of England. He was in Belfast. And, um, you know, you're allowed to fight in that league in Europe. It's one of the only leagues that you're allowed to have a certain amount of fights. And, uh, you know, there's some reputation stuff going on over there. And, um, yeah, we ended up fighting. And, uh, yeah, it turned out to be a really good fight, actually. And uh, and then a year later, we ended up becoming teammates. And, you know, and again, he lives close by here, and I chat with him. Oh, nice. once. Yeah. So what? Um, how did the style of play over there compare? I've heard people say it's sort of like the American League over here, or, or you know, you never played in the American League, so you played in the IHL though. So was it was it comparable to the IHL? Um, yes and no. I mean, it's uh, definitely a skating league. I mean, any anytime you go over to Europe, I mean, as you mentioned, uh, the ponds are way bigger. Yeah. And, uh, you know, a lot of things they tell you to do in North America are rub the door, and you know, over there they don't want you to stop. They want you to keep skating. So mm-hmm. there's definitely some adjustment, but uh, I, I like that adjustment. Um, like I said, I, as you get older, you hate stopping and starting anyhow, right? So, yeah. <laughs> uh, so I, I, I like the brand of hockey um, not, to a degree. I mean, like I said, in England you were allowed to fight, so there was some physical players. So, I mean, there was a lot of hitting. Um, it, it is kind of comparable in, in some regards to the IHL besides the skating thing but I mean it, a lot of it was intimidation and, and, and you know and, and you had some physical players and, um, I, I liked it a lot I mean I don't know if I could have played a German here or, or, or not you know then um, because I, I would have been totally lost at yeah. that point but it, it's definitely a lot of fun and having uh, having Brad Lauer get me over there I mean we were good friends and well, still are, and uh, we had a blast over there. Jeez, I mean, it was just a lot of fun. Uh, probably the, I don't want to say the funniest thing, because I'm sure it probably wasn't funny, but uh, one of the things about the British League that I, I don't think I'm ever going to quite get is uh, that there's a regular season, then there's this kind of tournament and that kind of tournament. I don't, I never understand that, and I know that you're, in Sheffield, you ended up playing, was it a team from Moscow or one of these Russian teams? And some guy named Murat Davidov uh, must have done something to you because you took a gigantic swing at him and then proceeded to beat the brakes off of him. <laughs> what was that about? Um, yeah, no, I just, you know, back then a lot of, a lot of European players, they, I don't know, they, they hit low. And I remember he, 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 he took a piece of my knee. And uh, luckily, I never blew Neo, but it, you know, I, I was pretty frustrated at the time, so I went right after him. And you know, at that point in your career, you're, you're pretty much guarding your knees. Um, you know, you're keeping your knees pretty close to yours. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, so I went after him. Yeah, and I, I, I feel kind of bad about that one, but I mean, uh, I shouldn't hit my hit me in the knee, I guess. Yeah, don't feel bad about it. You know, listen, I, you know, we, uh, I know that you wanted to. You know, not not say anything. So I'll say it. Yeah, a lot of times back in the day, the European players did go for players' knees and did play a little bit close to the edge. And uh, every now and then, you know, they had to be taught a lesson, and that was just one of those uh, instances. So that's okay. 
No, no, for sure, yeah. But I don't know what the I don't know what the baseball swing at. though that might be that might have been a little harsh. Uh, you know, it's, uh, you know, listen. Sometimes people need a little excessive uh, behavior thrown their way to learn a lesson. So maybe he never did that again, and you know, you did a service to the hockey community. Yeah, aggressive counseling. There you go. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, so Brad Lauer convinced you to go to Sheffield, and then the next year you ended up in Belfast. How did that happen? Yeah, I was only going to go over play one year there, and. You know, I, I talked to my wife and, you know, we, have, we had kids and one was in school at that time and we thought, you know, it would be, you know, we weren't sure what to take when we went to uh, Sheffield. So, um, you know, and, after, and there was always a lot of violence going on in, in, in Belfast where, you know, we were a little scared with that, um, you know, but after I played over there a few times and got a feel for the city and, and you know, talked to some of the players over there, they said it was, you know, a great place to play and, it was a lot of fun, and um, the fans were great, and you know. And so uh, we made a choice to go back a second year yeah. uh, to England into the British League, and uh, you know that was probably my wife's favorite place to live. And our daughter went to school there for two years, and she actually developed a an accent. Oh yeah, because it's gone now. Mm-hmm. Uh, thank God, uh, but. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, again, we had a lot of fun over there. And, uh, you know, I ended up winning, you know, the final in Sheffield the year before. Mm-hmm. And ended up winning, the, you know, the final in, in Belfast that year as well. So I finally got a win after all those seconds. There you go, right? That's not too bad. Yeah. So in Belfast, you had a couple, you had several run-ins with a couple of guys from Nottingham. One of the guys we talked about, Dodie Wood. Um, another guy, Jason Clark, who actually... Um, the, the Roller Hockey International, for one season, there was actually a team on Long Island, uh, Long Island Jaws. And um, the coach and GM was a player, a guy named Phil DiGaetano, who played some uh, some years, I think, in the Boston organization. And he liked the rough style of play. So actually, the next time you talk to Darren Banks, he was actually on that team. Uh, they had a team, very, very tough roller hockey team here. And Jason Clark was one of those guys. And I know he's... Uh, He's sort of a minor league legend with all the uh, penalty minutes he's put up, and uh, but I know you and him and uh, you and Dodie didn't necessarily see eye to eye in uh, in the British League, did you? No, no. He used to drive me crazy. He'd be the Barnaby of uh, of probably the British League. Like he drove me crazy. So you know, and you know, I think he hit me low once as well. And, yeah. Uh, you know, and that's kind of when I got my real hate on for him. So I mean, it was, uh, you know, even. He was strong enough. He could hang on. I mean, you know, he would drop his gloves, but he wouldn't throw a punch, you know, very often, once in a while. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, he was just the kind of guy that got under my skin every time. <laughs> and I just couldn't I just couldn't, couldn't deal with him at that point in my career. Yeah. What, uh, so you talked about going over to uh, England and Ireland, and then your last season, you end up in Austria. How did that happen? Yeah, no, I, I don't know how. Well, I, I do know how, and I was weird. Um, you know, I, again, I was retired and thought, okay, I'm done. Uh, you know, and, and uh, didn't plan on playing and was sitting here in Calgary getting fatter. Uh, <laughs> I probably gained about 15 pounds. Um, anyhow, we had played, when I was in Belfast, we had played against uh, a, a team from Austria in Belfast. It was a, you know, because... 
it was some sort of tournament. I, I mean, like there's so many tournaments like you mentioned over there. Mm -hmm. And we had played against a team in Austria called Linz. And uh, I, I actually had a really good game. I think I, I scored a, a couple goals or whatever. And um, I think I went after a guy as well. And and, and uh, they were having some issues over there in, in Linz the next year with uh, just getting pushed around. Not that Austria is a fighting league or anything, but they just wanted a presence. And they had called me up. Uh, an agent called me up from, you know, from Austria and asked if I would come over. And you know, I thought about it. I talked to my family, and this was January, so I was like, okay. So ended up going over, and I, like I said, I was out of shape, and you know, didn't feel the best. And the game was different. We had a Czech coach, which you know didn't really correspond well with my style of play or right. my, uh, you know, the way I played. So. And we didn't really hit it off. And plus, they thought I was a defenseman for some reason when I got there. And <laughs> I said, you don't want to put me on defense. <laughs> Especially, Especially in Europe, on big ice. <laughs> um, yeah, so anyhow, they contemplated buying me out the first day I got there. And I was like, okay, just, you know, that's fine. I'll, I'll, I'll go home. Mm -hmm. um, but anyhow, um, they ended up keeping me. And, uh, you know, I think somebody else got hurt as well, which opened up a spot as well. But... Uh, you're only allowed to carry up, uh, you know, three or four imports, I believe, over there. Yeah. So you know, I was definitely taking someone's spot by being there. So I mean, uh, uh, you know, so um, yeah. So I ended up staying for a few games and uh, making the most out of it. There was, there's one fight that's on video on YouTube. You uh, did a number on somebody named Gunther Lanzinger. Um, do you remember that? Yeah, that, that's kind of the reason why they wanted me over there is because that that guy had caused some problems in the past for the Lens team and he actually slashed a guy's uh, finger and when the guy took his glove off that his finger piece of his finger was still in his glove oh no shit yeah so I mean it was so I mean he, he had taken advantage of a few guys before I got there and that was kind of one of the reasons why they wanted me there and one of the players that they did not like um, so you know I, I, I might have took that one a little too far but but I definitely made, uh, made, uh, made him know that he wasn't allowed to do anything anymore. <laughs> I, I would imagine that the, the Linz people probably didn't think you took it too far. They were probably very happy with their investment. Yeah, no, they, uh, they called me the dentist after that. I don't know why. Well, I didn't knock his teeth out, but they were calling me a dentist. So <laughs> it's maybe a German thing or, or Austrian. Yeah, who knows. But, uh, well, that brings us to the end of, uh, end of your career. So... Uh, I guess one question I will ask is uh, out of just a curiosity of mine. So you played many years uh, against many players in different leagues. Uh, any players that you played against, fought against, that you considered yourself having a rival rivalry with, either you know just professional where maybe you liked fighting them or you liked going up against them, and were there any players that you disliked that you liked maybe fighting or playing hard against because you couldn't stand them? Um, you know, for the most part, I respected most of the guys that I had fought with. And, mm. you know, and especially the Western guys, I mean, we, you know, a lot of times, like, I'd fight Kelly Chase and, you know, Sharky would fight Twister. Yeah. And, you know, we'd be drinking beers after the game. And, you know, Rogers, you know, all these guys, all the Western League guys, you know, we all respected. We were... You know, we were doing a very hard job, and we all respected each other, and we'd fight each other if we had to, and we made sure it was fair and not not cheap. 
And, you know, and there, there's a few players, like I said, I mean, I had some issues with, but, I mean, um, you're not going to always hit it off with everybody, mm -hmm. in, even in real life. Yeah. Um, but, you know, for the most part, I, I respect, you know, I'd say a good 90% of the guys that I had battles with. And, and you know, and I, I hope they can say the same about me. Well, Paul, that brings us to the end of the interview. I cannot tell you how much it means to me that you gave me all this time. I really appreciate it. I appreciate uh, going through your career like this, and uh, I had a great time doing it, and uh, I just want to say thank you again. Yeah, I want to thank you, Joe, and, uh, and you know, what you did in New York, too. I mean, uh, that's, uh, that's a lot of, not a lot of people would have done that. That's highly heroic and inspirational to... Uh, to me and uh, hopefully to uh, the other guys you interview as well. Well, I appreciate that. I don't, uh, it's not about me though. It's about you guys. Uh, you know, you guys are, uh, you guys, you know, your friendship means a lot to me and, uh, and I, I appreciate that. Thank you so much though. Yeah. Okay, Joe. Awesome. Thank you very much. All right, Paul. Thanks a lot. Talk to you soon. Okay. Take care. Okay. Bye.